Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Villalucci Podcast. Honest, uncensored, and unedited discussions about life and everything in it. So sit back, relax, and let's start the show. But when you open that door, that's... We are live. So I'll stop talking about what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, change yeah. the subject, quick. Um, hi, everyone. Well, we're actually, we've sort of, we're talking about good and evil, technically. Yes. Don't say anything more than that. But yeah, okay. that's what it is. And I sort of, would you forgive, oh, I can't talk about it now because I was going to say, what's the rules with forgiveness? The rules? Like whose rules? <laughs> again, I'm bringing rules into it. It's the black and white thing again. He, loved, he, <laughs> loves, he loves a good Mr. old binary. Rule. Yeah, he like a, yeah, yeah, he lo- okay. loves a good old absolute. What about I, shades of grey and all the colours? Yeah, oh, it's too difficult. Moment. I like to grab something by the throat. But what if 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 you've done something wrong? They always said that you're guilty of something. Or am I, is that's in my head when I said that? Doesn't sound guilty when you say if you've done something wrong. It's like saying a friend of mine. <laughs> well, everyone's done something wrong. So yeah. I mean, that's show, what I show me a person that hasn't done something wrong, yeah. and then let's have a conversation. Okay, but about don't forgiveness. If for like somebody that's done a wrong job when you're young, is does the youth make you, you have to forgive them because you are not you at that age? And actually, funny enough, talking about like stabbings, we were talking about stabbings before the, the podcast. Yeah, well, we always talk about stabbings before. Right. Yeah. He brought it up. <laughs> am, I, am I safe in this room right yeah. now? <laughs> oh, no. He was, he was accosted by a lunatic on the train, and which with him, he started talking about stabbing. But um, I just had that a few months ago. Literally, a man threatened to stab me on the train. No. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Well, that's perfect then. So, what happened? So, I was sat on the train. Um, shall I say which line? in case everyone's afraid. Okay, so I'm sat on the Central Line train, just heading home. I've been to a meeting in Central London. I'm sat there with my book. I I do like a murder novel. So I'm sat in... (laughs) That's made me feel a bit better. Never go anywhere without my book. So I'm sat there on the train, just just reading my novel. It's, It's a really good bit. But I see somebody get on the train and just... Just like over the top of my book, I see that they leave some plastic bags um, in front of me. In, like in, I was sat nearest to a door. They leave the plastic bags and then their legs continue to walk away. And you know what we're like now? We're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. so I'm like, are they going to get off at the next door? Do I have to warn everybody they need to get off the train? Um, but the legs then go and sit down. So I just go, oh, it's fine. I'll carry on reading my book. They just thought there must have been more space there. So they left their bags. And then they sounded like as if they were being sick. I heard this like <laughs> sounds. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe somebody's ill. Do right. they need help? Yeah. So I just glanced up in case somebody needed some yeah. help. Um, and they didn't need help, as it turned out. They Good were doing, Samaritan. They were doing that footballer thing, you know, where they empty their nose oh, and geez. on the train yeah. and yeah. spitting on the floor and stuff. Um, <laughs> geez is a word, it's fine. Oh, you heard and, me. That's right. and they're like spitting on the floor. And and I just I, I, I just carried on reading my book. You know, I saw that they didn't need any help. They weren't being sick. Yeah. So I could just carry on reading my book. But that was all it took. I looked up from my book on a London train yeah, like enough, I yeah. broke the rules <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was it and he just went for it he just started going on I'm going to stab you in the effing eyes oh, don't Jesus. you dare look at me and it went on for about 10 minutes and I was thinking oh Jesus yeah, okay, just like you yeah, okay. um, thinking this this is not great and he just starts talking about how he's going to stab me in the eyes and he says you, you've read about all of these stabbings in London well you'll be reading about yourself in the paper tomorrow because you'll be dead social commentating on himself and I was like <laughs> okay in my mind I was just going okay not very clever he thinks 
happens. Dead people can read about themselves yeah. in the paper. That's not going to happen. Well, actually, that won't be happening. Yeah. I'll be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be dead. Don't so, pick him up so on his grammar at that point. I've done some training in conflict resolution. I've done a master's degree. And so I'm just like tr- talking myself through it, coaching myself through it. Stay really calm because some people get off on fear. So yeah, show yeah, no yeah. fear. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even look up. And in the end, later on, when I'd had to phone the police, I couldn't even get a ve- very good description because I literally hadn't looked at him. Yeah. I just looked up right, briefly yeah, yeah. to see if somebody needed some help. Saw they yeah. didn't and carried on reading. So it lasted about 10 minutes. Yeah. I thought he'll calm down in a second. Sorry, Karim, can you... The Lower mics it. have just gone up suddenly, all of a sudden. Sorry, I go. thought he'll he'll calm himself down. You know, some people, when they get angry, they just like need to let the steam out and yeah. then they chill. And he just wasn't chilling. And then he's coming right over up in my face and shouting at me. And and I thought, okay, he's not calming down. I need to get my phone out and yeah. do something here because he is going to stab me. Um, I need to let somebody know where I am. Really, and you had that. You had that sort of clarity of, um, yeah. of, of, of sort of what I, was going to happen. And really. I thought I want my husband to know where I am at which station I'm going to be stabbed yeah. at. So oh I get goodness. my phone out of my bag because literally he was going for it. He was getting thought, more yeah, enraged. He's gone past the station. Yeah. yeah, and I thought I can't stand up and walk away because I would have been taller than him. And and I thought that was obviously going to yeah. you know play on his already yeah. insecurities. That is what he's going yeah. off at the minute. So I thought don't stand over him because that will trigger him even yeah. more. So I thought just I'll just get my phone out of my bag and I subtly got my phone out and I thought I haven't quite decided. Am I going to ring my husband? Am I going to ring the police? Am I going to start filming him? Yeah. What am I going to do? So I get my phone out and he says, "That's right, you ring the effing police because you'll be dead before they get here." And I was like. Okay, that's me not ringing the police. Yeah. I just ring my husband, and I just stayed my, my voice like, yeah. really calm, and just said, um, "Hi, Tom. Uh, I'm just on the central line now. We're just passing Hangar Lane. There's a man here threatening to stab me." And he was just like, "Listen to her voice. She sounds like she's dead already." And he was like, "She's a hooker. She just offered me twenty pound for a good time." He's shouting, and I was like, "Not hooker." That would have made me Vicar, laugh. Would, but, yeah. you know, yeah. but you can't laugh, yeah. you know, because because that might trigger him even Did more. Did you have your? So, uh, well, I don't know. Okay, well, I thought I that might have antagonised incog- him. Incognito. <laughs> so there's three Bellini's people in this room. Two of them have been like been threatened. To threatened. Stab. Well, not you didn't get threatened to stab, but you were, you were. I have been in the past, but not that. <laughs> London, London, come to London, people. A couple of times in Reading, actually. So, uh, oh, Reading? What yeah. were you doing wrong up there? Oh, well, not saying you were growing guilty. up. <laughs> like I was, I was, I was guilty. Being, I was being a teenager living there, so right. you know, and yeah, going to trouble. In Reading, really, I thought yeah. it was quite nice up there. Uh, Just said it same as everywhere like else. Pulled on me twice. Got chased with a broken bottle. Okay, been mugged. Yeah. Oh, you've been mugged. You're a nice yeah. guy as well. I had a gun pulled at me in India. Right, that was a leap. What were you doing in India? <laughs> <laughs> On holiday. We're from Reading to India. Yeah, no, it was a uh, gap year I was doing. Yeah. Oh, was that when you've had your brush yeah. with the monastic lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so what did you used to do? India. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah, I did uh, five months. I sort of stayed in a Buddhist monastery for about three, so... That sounds. Can really I ask you a personal fun. question? Yeah. When you were you on the like mentally, were you on the run from something that you went to a monastery? <laughs> that's like one of those things where you have to find yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons. I oh right, those, okay. Specifically, and you were teaching English. Yeah, doing a bit of teaching as well. Yeah. How long were you there for? Uh, five months in total. About teaching. Three months in the monastery teaching. Three months English. Yeah. So it wasn't like a silent thing. You weren't there doing a yeah, bunch you... of silence in the uh, of silence. No, no, no. I was more. Well, I, was, I was nineteen and an idiot. <laughs> more of an idiot that then. So what was the good points? And what was the bad points? Uh, oh, good so point. they're monks. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was interesting and entertaining, and um, it, you know. I, Gave me a, a view into a different lifestyle and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and did you ever think about, did it make you 
question your spirituality and stay there or um i I've, I've wanted to return i still want to go back yeah yeah definitely what made um, you want to do that as a 19 year old to go to a buddhist monastery that's quite a thing for a 19 year old uh i it sounded fun oh. <laughs> they literally had a, a a sort of booklet of, of places you could go and different adventures oh, okay. you could experience and um i remember one of them was going to the philippines somewhere um and i thought oh that sounds good yeah, chilling yeah. beach that sounded good um and then they had one where you could, had one I remember where they said you could uh, you teach English uh, in Brazil and I was like Brazil yeah cool nice one uh, but you'll be living and working in a military police compound okay no, thanks. Yeah. No, thanks. not as much fun <laughs> yeah yeah then that's sort of thing and they were like yeah just just chill up in in the Himalayas in India with some Buddhist monks also like, in India Marco, that's, yeah. that sounds a laugh yeah and was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. Yeah. And what were the rules there? Could you eat? What, what What were you eating? You've got to think about rules today. I'm no, I've just met <laughs> I you, but I'm noticing word. this right now. <laughs> I shouldn't have used that word. Rules no, is your. It thing. was India. No rules, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but were you eating? I've just got sort of like. Oh, sorry. I've just got films in my head, so I don't yeah. know anything more than that. So what? What were they wearing? Oh, the 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 robes, the robes. robes, yeah, red robes. They didn't. Really and could them. they eat anything or did They're rice? Technically, supposed to be vegetarians, Vegetarian. but mm. the monastery I was in, they ate meat. I didn't because the meat oh. was a bit ropey. Oh, really? And so I was the vegetarian, and they were like taking the mick. So do do, do you want your meat? Ha 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 ha! And I'm like, no. So it was relaxed. It wasn't like a sterile atmosphere. The yeah, no. It was it was like any community. It it sort of has the. Yeah, you know, these wrong ones. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's, you know, good people, bad people, and cliques, oh, and Jesus. outsiders, and in, intrigue, and and yeah. and and drama. Um, it's it's just like any like any working yeah, environment, right, any yeah. living environment. It's exactly the same thing. Um, every because I had several friends around, and they we all stayed in different monasteries, and we sort of met up here and there. Um, there was always a bad monk. <laughs> like every monastery, there was. Oh, we go. Oh, don't like him. That that lad over right, there, yeah. poor guy. They were, they were like oh. the one, the bad monk where I was. He just looked so sad oh, and like no. so lonely. Why just was he like, bad? Oh, it was a very bad man. Very very bad. But were they bad or was he bad? No, he was bad. Why? Did, why was he I bad? don't know. And I was like, why? What did he do? Oh, do oh, was terrible. Yeah, terrible, I think they're bad. I think they're bad. <laughs> and I was just like. Oh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah. He looks, he looks very sad. So they, they You've all made that. him sad by bullying yeah, him, yeah, yeah, calling yeah, him yeah. the bad monk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, and yeah, I don't know. Good luck to him and more power to yeah. him. But um, just just living there and and experiencing it a bit. Some of the bits, particularly nice. Going to say, okay, being critical of Buddhism, cool. Um, but it does get a little bit hokey. In what way? Hokey, cokey. Uh, as in, like, oh, there's there's evil spirits in the woods, okay. and there's but what was their religion? Demons and witches, and and I'm like, ah, okay, okay, and and this this idea of you know karma and thing and balance and yin yeah. and yang, yeah, that's the, fair the, These broader concepts we kind of in the West we kind of think of Buddhism, you think of that, but actually the minutia of it is slightly weird and hokey. oh really when you say weird though is it not just really interesting like from i'm, I'm an obsessive learner so mm. i love that the 7.7 billion people in the world and we're all completely different um and and it's really interesting to meet people who think differently than you and see the world differently <clears throat> than you because 
you can only experience the world with your worldview and based on your experiences and how you read stuff. And there's nothing for me more interesting than meeting people who see everything really differently. I don't have to agree with it. I, I don't have yeah, to accept like, it as mm, my truth, you know. No, very much But so, it's yeah. so interesting to, to think, wow, you see it like that. Why is that? And what's that about? And where did that come from? And did you always think that way? And yeah, because if, if you think, if you go back to like the Greek gods, you don't go, oh, I believe in it or I don't. You go, oh, that's an interesting thought process of, you know, Apollo and all these sort of people. I like all that sort of stuff. But you, um, when they start talking, I, about I think it's interesting elves. because they they got round some of the some of the more uh, sticky the, theological issues around sort of Judeo Christian ideology by just saying yes, there are gods, and some of them behave very poorly. <laughs> they are not. They are not nice. They're naughty. They, they, they are bored sometimes. They are. They are arrogant. They are. You know. They, they they have their own personality traits, and they don't really often really care about people. Um. And they sort of circumvented that. That right. made sense. I'm saying that as a reflection of their society and the, the way they viewed the world, that made sense. So, know? what religion were they? Well, it's not. It, is it outside? <laughs> I was of... going to say Greek Orthodox, but no. oh, right. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. Um, what, what? What? What's the name? That's pagan, or is a Greek? In India? Know. Oh no! It's all, I thought we were talking about Greek. Oh no! I thought I was talking about. Oh, right, we're sorry, back to I in, back. sorry, we're back to India. Yes, yeah, so what religion were they there? Uh, well, they were Buddhist. Oh, they were Buddhist. But I mean, India is a Hindu country. Did you ever get to speak to the bloke that was on his own? No. No, you didn't go and speak to you him. You ignored him too? Well, I did. I you said, let them suck you I would have gone it. and speak to him. Yeah, yeah, His yeah, English yeah. wasn't very good. I, I think I said hi to him, but his English wasn't very good. Yeah, but you, know, you, you were can... there to teak English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's where the system breaks down, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and there is the universal language of love, so you can yeah, smile at him mate, every yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he's into that thing. But even there, even there, you can't, people just don't act nicely. Even there, I, I I have a lot of respect for the Buddhist people, and yeah. they've they've been exiled from Tibet, and I don't want to speak about them. But the monastery that I was at, for instance, they I, I disliked and they treated the in the local Indian workers who worked on the um, the monastery very very poorly. Poorly, and oh for God's sake! And I once saw one of the senior monks uh, beat one of the <laughs> workers with a stick. Um, for for doing work that he wasn't happy with and i was just that really effed me uh, off i was i I, to be fair in terms of um of of religions worldwide and even people who are of no religion just just any community anywhere where there are human beings religious or not you will you will not find perfect people and you will find bad behavior you know i am church of england myself there's, a, there's an inquiry ongoing just at the moment looking into how we have been d- dealing with safeguarding in terms of caring for people who have been abused by people in the church. But does that mean, church. what my thing is, that if you got involved in that, surely you would say, think I'm a role model. How do you equate doing bad things and what you live by? That's what the thing I don't understand. Because there's the thing that you, you, you live know you're by. Lying? Well, you, you, there's the thing that you live by, and that's that's somewhere up there, and it's in your mind. Yeah. But then there's there's you as a human being who is fallible and who is is capable of being corrupted, who gives no. in to all of their human desires. You you were just talking a minute ago about being a 21 year old who then somebody offers you yeah, loads you're not of trying money. Trying to do you just, something there, you, if you, you that's the thing it. you've chosen to do, it's like saying if I want to be a basketball player, I'm a basketball player. I'm terrible though. We not a basketball. Don't be a basketball player then. But I mean, you can okay. But you can be married 
and, yeah. and, and, and have kids and love your wife yeah. and love your kids and love your life and love your home and have a very wonderful life and you can still sleep with your secretary. No, see, this is my yeah. problem, because, right? Because you can't keep it in your pants. Right, so... Like, there, there, is, there is that kind of... No, I don't don't, see, I don't accept that. You're not always in control. I'm not lowering my bar. You're not always necessarily... No, not lowering the bar. in control, but you have, you have impulses and urges that... <clears throat> that, that are human. That are human, that are Yeah, but you're supposed to overcome that. That are not impossible to overcome but are very difficult to Right, so I, I'm sitting here with a ring of Malcolm X on, right? When people say about Martin Luther King... Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's bespoke, so it's made oh, up. Cool. No one ever gets this one. No one's seen... Once somebody told me it looked like Versace, and that annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> From this angle, it did look like Margaret Thatcher. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't mind, to be honest, because nobody's ever got it. <laughs> is it Oscar Wilde? Yeah, oh, you got it. Oh, no, okay. A young Oscar Wilde. It does look like Oscar Wilde. It does, it does. So on the think... side, it was definitely Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. And I was like, so he's got Malcolm X on one hand right, and yeah. Margaret Thatcher on the other. I'm feeling confused. That's so, a good celebrity death match, though. But yeah. why, everyone goes on about Martin Luther King, and I haven't had respect for him why with my background and all that because right so he's the preacher the gospel the blood that's the thing that's his thing that's the what i live by the, the, the it's not a hobby that's my thing but he cheated on his wife all the yeah. time put the bible down then you're not having both you can't have both i'll do the fallible man thing and you've got malcolm x on the other hand who advocated violence causing harm to other human beings no uh, no i stick by what he sticks by that, that if you're not gonna if you're gonna hit me i'm gonna hit you back no no, no. it wasn't if you're gonna hit me you're <clears> gonna <throat> hit me back what, the bullet if, or the if, bullet? if you're gonna suppress and oppress yeah me, yeah but then we now as as a because as all action, other avenues have been cut off there's nothing left now you've been talking about it for years you're still attacking us fight back that's why I, I keep saying about. I'm f- happy with people that fight back. It's why I was asking you about like, what happens at the protests and all things. But fighting back isn't always great, is it? Because you don't know the reasons that people are caught up in what they're doing in the first place. Well, I, I had a lot of years doing Fighting my... back just makes you just like them. No, no, no. But you're still not going to that point. That, there's, that's halfway. Because when I used to work in nightclubs, people would hate the fact of, uh, you know, doorman and hitting people. You go, but you've no idea... When you, it's not, well, you're aggressive to somebody, you're aggressive, and then you just hit them. It doesn't work like that. There's a point where you, there's nothing left. And by not attacking, you are bringing on the attack even more. And people don't want to accept that. But it's only when you do it, you realize, oh, you, at certain point, you have to do physical things because I know where this leads. I've been doing this for years. The violence has to go forward before it comes to me. And you see the patterns. So, with uh, Malcolm X. Now, I don't want to stop comparing them because he was two different people. But my, my point with, with him was like, that's your thing that you live by and you cheating on your wife again and again and again. So they're like, what are your rules in your head? Go, I'm a failed person. There's the book. I can't do it. That, do that. I'm, I think I'm, his, no his rules in his head are, I'm watching a whole bunch of people who are like me be massively oppressed and what I'm going to do is spend my life fighting for their freedom and equality. Yeah, that's fine. And I will You're a never, civil rights leader. I will never stop Hopefully, respecting that. Right, but the book... And he never stood up there and preached that he was a perfect person. No, either. no, I never said that. He never stood said he up, he was perfect, he, but he, but never he said the Bible was a thing he followed. The Bible is a thing he followed, but even if he didn't cheat on his wife, he's still not living up to the Bible every day. He's saying... What I'm trying to follow is this book that tells me how to cause minimum harm to other human beings, how to try and love them. Right, okay. He wasn't doing that I'll in every even moment of every then. day. I'll even stretch to there was a one-off incident where accidentally something one night, blah, 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 feels guilty about it. But the fact he kept doing it to the point where his wife had to say, please stop embarrassing me by doing it. That's your choice now. There, it stepped over the line and now you're choosing to do it. Well, I think, I think you're allowed to have um, lofty ideals, though. 
You're allowed to aim. You're allowed know. to have an idea of something, something like that's mm. the aim. And I may never reach it, and I probably won't. And it's something I fall short of. But it's, I think you're allowed to say that these are the set of values that I aim for. You know? Yeah. No, I understand. Look, I come from a shitty back. Sorry, I come from a bad background. But so I thought, right, I've got to be a decent human being. So I have to spend my life weeding out things bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, just re- repetition, repetition, <clears throat> and. um so I still carry guilt about things that don't go away, the guilt. But I make sure everything's auto-corrected straight away. I never do a mistake twice. So when you're having adultery again and again, you go, no, at some point, you're a bad person. I know you want to tell yourself you this. Civil rights, great. Knock yourself out. You've done fantastic. But as a preacher, you're a failed human being. You stood there and gave that. The, the, don't they all have to say, like, I love you and, and the thing? And what a good segue into, into the uh, <laughs> But I've got no respect for him. No respect for him. Because I always think behind the, the curtain, right? That's my thing. I don't care about the man or the myth. I think, how did he make his wife feel all her life when he's not a celebrity? She, that's his husband. How did she feel going through life, those moments that she knew he was cheating? And that's all I care about. I really don't care about the autobiography. I care about how you made another person feel. And it was horrendous. What if you they were a child and you watched how the mother was made? That's all I care about. I don't care about the thing, the image. I care about the incidents of the human being. The thing is, for me, the, the line is drawn when, um, and it's actually something that, that Jesus said. So all of these people, oh, yeah. you might know this story. They brought this woman. She'd been caught in adultery, what you just, which is just okay. what you're talking about. And the law then of the land was that you stone her to death. If she's yeah. been caught in adultery, them's the rules. You stone her to death. And so all of these men had brought, they were t- trying to see what he would do because they knew that he was a Jewish man and had to keep to the law. So he, they dragged in this woman. She's been caught in adultery. They've all got the stones in their hands ready to throw. And he just bends down and starts throwing on the, on the, in the dust on the earth and says, let you who is without sin yeah. cast the first stone. And then next time he looks up and they're all gone. Stones dropped on the floor like desert. They've all walked away. And so he says to this woman, were none of them left here to condemn you? No, because not a single one of them was without sin. So how dare they judge her for what she's been caught in Yeah, when they've been doing their own thing? My only too. problem with that is if she kept doing it, <laughs> eventually she'd go, right, you're taking the mick. So, but uh, the point is we keep all doing keep it. doing stuff. So no. I, I have decided I'm, I am going to be a vicar, <clears> which <throat> is what my job is. But does that mean I'm perfect? I try and live by no, the Bible. But, no. but when I'm tired, I'm repeatedly tired because I work really hard. So I'm always tired. I'm not my best self when I'm tired. No. Do I take the last seat on the train? Because actually I'm really tired and I want to sit down and there's somebody standing up and actually, I don't know what kind of day that they've had. I don't know that they've not lost <laughs> no. their best friend to death. I've got no idea how it's making them feel to have to stand here and nobody stand up and give them a seat on the train. You know, I'm cross at my husband when I'm extra tired. I'm not my most patient self. No, but the adultery, that's another thing because adultery is not a, a, an accidental thing to lead up to cheating on somebody. There's a thousand lies that lead to that one cheating. So it's, it's a, an instigated choice of things goes proactive to do it. And even if yeah. I stretch to doing it once, I forgive you for that sort of, but if you do it again and again and again, go, no, I have no respect for you as a human being. As far as I'm concerned, you're a failed human being. It's too big an issue. You're hurting somebody and dragging the pain through with them. Do you Let ever hurt anybody? Uh, I try not to. I try to autocorrect everything. My whole right. life has been in a, a sort of lunacy of personal development where everything's autocorrected straight away. But I feel yeah. guilty, horrendously so, about things that I... I um, I told this story before. What about hurting people when you don't even know that you're hurting them? I don't do that. I'm too, too, I don't do it. <laughs> like, 
I don't do it. I don't get in arguments. I walk away. I don't get involved in arguments. But it's not always just arguing. Arguing. Sometimes somebody's. I mean, I, I don't know the other people in the room here. Maybe they're your friends. Maybe one day they come in and they're not as chatty. Yeah. And maybe by neglect, you don't say to one of them, "Are you okay?" I just noticed. No, I that don't. I always you do. look a, a I, bit down yeah. today. I, all my my, my whole thing is my actions with another person in front of the magazine, in front of per- all I care about is to the individual human beings because I remember what it's like. I know what that the uh, the effect you have on people around you. So I don't forget things. If somebody's going through something, I don't forget it. I check up on them, even though I don't might not know them well enough to check up on them. All I care about is individual human beings. Doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. Doesn't matter if you've got money. That's my purpose. Is just people and people. That's all that matters. Even to my own detriment, oh, there's loads of things I could have done. But I, I, I always find it really difficult. For example, to be your friend. When your line is like, everybody up here has to be perfect. Yeah, because no, no, because I, I give a lot. I know I'm not perfect. I'm not, but you've given, you, you've said that a few times where you've said perfect. You go, no, it's not, I never said that. That's what people do in arguments. They create the, the extreme. I never said that. The, but the, you call somebody a fail human being. Yeah, because it's a horrendous act. The cheating is a horrendous act. It's, an, it's not a little thing. I know what people being cheated on does to that human being it stays with the echoes of it stay with them it's not a oh i fell over and i had sex with somebody oh i'm so sorry but, there's but a some hundred people, lies some people are weak lies. some people are morally weak and, not, some and i'm not saying he's not what i'm saying is with my great uh, um civil rights actors right don't hold the bible that's disrespectful that is really disrespectful it's not actually from somebody who has read the Bible, <laughs> it's not disrespectful. Um, I think the, in the, my head that that would be disrespectful. Well, well, in what it says in the Bible, it says all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. That means for, for you, like God doesn't look at other people the same way that you do. So the, the rules that you were talking but about I'm not saying perfect. are not the same. No, no yeah. and God recognises no one's perfect. Right. And I'm glad you recognise yeah. no one's perfect. But, but what God says in, in the Bible, if we believe it's the word of God, yeah. is, is that... All sins have fallen short. Everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. So we don't rate them like you're a super bad person because that thing that you did is like really evil. Whereas this person that did this minor bad thing, you know, th- there are not scales of it. Oh, there um, is in my head. There, there are in terms of consequences, yeah. and that's perfectly logical. We can we can all see that some actions cause worse consequences yeah. than others. But in terms of for God, the bar is God is God and God is perfection. So when what we're trying to do, he when anyone who wants to follow God, he says, I want you to live like me, live like Jesus. And that is absolutely caring about every human being, yeah. loving every single person yeah. on the planet yeah. at all times. Yeah. Like, so that's what we're trying to live but up to. But there must be Nobody's a, a line where you that. go, you can't keep doing the same mistake again and again and again and again and again and again. It's not that's, and you're holding the Bible while doing it. So there's two but things there. You can if you recognize your own weakness. Okay. But then I would say, okay, nobody's perfect and all that. If I was a, the priest or vicar or whatever, and I cheat on somebody, I wouldn't hold the Bible. I'd embarrass, I'd feel like I was embarrassing people that I'd been disrespectful. So what does that put me? But I don't I walk, do I, it. I've I never walked it. in his shoes. So I've never been a major celebrity. I mean, he was hugely famous. Um, so you're starting to make excuses now. I'm not making excuses, but I, but I'm, I believe in caring about other people and I don't believe in judging them. And so for me, I don't know what that's like to have constantly people throwing themselves at you because power is attractive and fame is attractive. But that falls down when there's there's a lot of celebrities that don't do it. So it's a choice. In fact, it's really difficult to maintain relationships and healthy marriages for celebrities. And I think one of the reasons is... But again, the examples have been set. So the bar is above him that 
the normal people don't cheat when they're celebrities. Ricky Gervais has been married to his girlfriend since like been together since like sixteen. Hasn't cheated, so his bar is further up there than the man that holds a Bible that's there. So why does that that has to come into it at some point? I wouldn't cheat on anybody. So does that mean I'm morally better than him? And he's holding the bloody Bible. I think somebody holding a Bible doesn't mean they're morally. It's a, it, I think it's more the weakness in the human being. Else. And I give you once, I give you once, which I don't, I'm lying, but I'll give you it for the point of this argument that you can cheat on somebody once because a moment in time and something happened. But if it happens again and again, now you know what you're doing and you're making an active choice to do it. I don't want to keep having to pop at him because he did do a lot of good. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's certain things where if I wouldn't do it, and I'm not holding the Bible. Why? What's your excuse? You're supposed to be the, the role model that I, I look to. I don't know why you have this idea in your head that anybody that believes in the Bible is going to be more exceptional. That I just don't think Christians or any religious person have a monopoly on goodness no, or morals. No, but you are somebody that's in a, in a world of lunatics and chaos and anger and all that. You're better than most, and that's good enough for me. There's supposed to be some sort of paradigm of decency, because that's what you're choosing to do. So that says something about you. I just don't believe average, that. To, it's I, not about being perfect. I, 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 I am a Christian because I recognise that I am a weak, fallible person. I'm not a Christian because I think I'm going to be really good and no, better but, than yeah, I'm not taking else. to an extreme, but I'm just thinking, you've chosen to do good so that no it, you, you haven't that's that's what I, I think that's fundamentally if you keep going back yeah, yeah. and me because i'm not understanding how you can keep thinking that it's because of, of your assumptions about what it is to be a christian <laughs> well no, yeah honestly, to be fair i because, don't know I'm just, because to yeah. be a christian is to say i believe in god it's not to say i it's think i'm going to be able to live no to what believe <laughs> what makes you think to be a christian is to be a decent person well, isn't that the bible be decent and kind and help people well, it says lots of things that are you are I'm supposed to be now, working I don't know what towards. it means. I've invented this thing in my head but, that I was aiming towards. It? But, it's, but it's just about a belief system. Yeah, of decency. It's not, there's nothing... No, a belief in God so, yeah. and, and in Jesus. But he's supposed to be God. the almighty good. So yes. you, ipso facto, you so then have to be decent. It's saying that I recognise that my life is not perfect yeah, and well, I am I'm never, never going to be no, perfect. Yeah, it's nothing to do with perfect. And I want to live like Jesus lived, which was full of justice yeah. and, yeah, and like righteousness yeah, yeah, and yeah. all of those things, constantly challenging the power people of the day, which yeah, is what yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm loving that. Yeah, so... So that's why I'm a Christian. Yeah, I so believe in I like. that stuff. Yeah, that's all. Does that mean perfect. I'm morally amazing? Does that mean I'm better than all no. of my friends that I know who are not Christians? Not no, at but all. I never said that. I know it's just you're a bit better than most, and that's enough for me. Or even if you're trying, but it's the repetition of. I'm badness. glad you think so. That's kind of nice. I'm going to take that. You <laughs> right, think yeah, Christians I, are better I, I than most? Probably. I, I mean, don't. It's, this, it's, this, it's this problem we keep coming back to when I've had guests on the show before, and some of them even got to the point of being on the show where I've said, right, I really haven't explained myself properly because <laughs> my life has been very odd. <laughs> so I basically did nothing for about 30 years. Okay, so I didn't read. So that just cut me out. I didn't tell anybody. Didn't know how to do basic stuff because nobody taught me how to. So at the age of just before 30, I then had to start learning what being a person was. No films, no movies, no TVs, no family, no... I didn't know how to do my laces up because nobody showed me. I didn't know how to brush my teeth because nobody showed me. I was just waiting to die. So when I started doing stuff, I'm now catching up. So all I've got is that thing over there and that thing over there. And that's what I've seen before. That's my models. And I've probably twisted them to be what I want them to be as well. Because I think, talking about rules, I think I'm still trying to figure out the rules. Because when I was putting the magazine together and all that, 
I, I didn't know what people was who was who and I didn't know what the rules were. I thought if you're poor, you're bad. And if you've got money, you're good. I mean, that's how basic. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know anything. I didn't know. I knew somebody. But who taught you that? Where uh, would you I, get I, that from? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just a, a sense of the world. But because it was, a, it was a blank canvas and you forget how much you've learned by growing up and absorbed before you were taught them, it was taught to you. So you, you think that's normal. But only when it's all not there, you go, oh, you've got to learn those things. And um, I knew somebody who was um, uh, speaking recently and uh, she grew up in South Compton. Right? See, this is, it's the same sort of thing. And um, so the police didn't really go into the area. It was all bad. She thought she was black. She thought all black people, poor people were bad because she'd only seen them. She said, I didn't see my first white person until I, thought they, until I was 10. She thought they only existed on the TV. She didn't. Do you know what I mean? Those, that sort of world exists. When you're only in crap and you only see the same 20 people a day and it's people coming out of prison and this and that, there's no love and all that. That's got to be taught to you when it's not there. You don't, like I said, shit, who taught you to do your shoelaces? Who, I didn't know to brush the back of my teeth because I'd only seen adverts doing that. And suddenly when somebody said to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, it was that bait. That's where I came from. It's basically coming out of a hole. So it, I am still catching up. And when I was putting the magazine together and I had spent oh, 10 years of my whole life, minute to minute, Everything was a blur apart from personal development. I had to learn. First thing I ever taught myself, literally taught myself, was, right, I'm going to start putting on a seatbelt and indicating. Whereas before I didn't. Why? I don't give a shit. I really don't care. I'm not indicating. Why don't we indicate? If you put war seatbelt, people aren't going to take the piss out of you. What have you got that on for? So I thought, right, I've got to do that. Now I've got to do that. When I cross the road, even though it's nighttime, I'm going to cross where I'm supposed to cross. I'm not, if there's a kid there, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to run across because I can. I'll wait for the red light to show the kid don't run across. And I started doing that and it just became a blur. Everything was a blur. My work, I, I, I got myself in jobs where I'd have to test myself. Like jobs, just to test myself. So I do that. I was scared. Right, so I'm going to test yourself with what? Everything. So I was first thing was I was scared. I had to go right. I'm going nowhere. I'm going to die. I was, didn't. I thought I'd be dead by 25. So when I got to 30, I thought this is mental. Well, like, am I still here? I'm going to have to plan a life. And I started. To, I thought right. Let me write down what's wrong with me. So I started putting all things on paper. Like what's wrong? And I was scared. I, I, everything. Everyone was in a. It was all attack. So it's why I was violent because I thought everyone was going to try and kill me instantly from raising your voice. Um, so I wrote things out and I was scared. So I thought, right, what's the worst thing I can do? Because I haven't got the confidence to, I'm just got to throw myself into it. So I did just security and doors and nightclubs. And then that went off for 10 years. And that was lunacy. And I learned about people and all that sort of stuff. But everything had to be, I was trying to go, right, what do I do? And when I put the magazine together, I basically just having a world of just learning. So my education came from um, listening. I didn't know I had dyslexia. I didn't know I couldn't read. I just thought I was stupid. But then I realized I could listen. So I got a job just driving lorries where I could just listen to audio books. And then it was like the world opened up to me. And I suddenly realized there's people from history and people from past, whatever that is, and learning about all different people. And it's just like the world opened up. And, stuff. and But then all my role models were just all the people I first got imprinted on were just people that, you know, BBC radio that I'd listened to, historical figures. They were my first examples of human beings. And then I, the world around me, my day-to-day -day work was just a blur, just till I could get back to that, to, to listening about people. And when I put the magazine together, so I'm now, it must have been like mid-30s, and I put this magazine together because I want to prove something to the world, like what I could do, what could be done. And I remember sitting in a big hotel, having a meeting with a woman or two people, <laughs> And she was rude and she was rich. Now I'm 35. Like, that must have been out of the 30s or 35. 
And I was thinking, this doesn't make any sense. Why is she rude? I thought like she was supposed to be like the pinnacle. 35, I'm still thinking if you've got money, that you're the better person. Lots of people still do think that, I'm afraid. And I had a, <laughs> I, I had I had about... this discussion with my friend the other day, and he was saying the same thing, meritocracy, everyone is where they're supposed to be. But no, I have reference points. That's and... what I, I just thought that was what I was doing. I was trying to get to the, be a better person. And that there was two weeks where I was thinking, oh, hang on, this no, that doesn't make, what have I learned here? Why have I learned that? And well, I've just seen it on TV. I see the queen at the top and everyone below. And it's only when you learn about things, you go, oh, it's chaos. There's no rules. Like, I don't know. How do you do the, that you're that, and but you're not that. And, and then it was about two weeks. I was thinking, I don't know what the world is. I don't know what, what, what I'm doing here because there's no rules. I was trying to go, oh, there's a set of rules. So yeah, going back to me talking about rules, it's because I go, no, if you're that, be that if you're and i wouldn't and i know i'm a bloody ape so if i but would, life's a bit more shady than that right yeah, i don't like it it's, it is and i don't <laughs> like it i hate it because it's 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 follow the rules but i think we need more of it i think that the, the reason that we're struggling in our society right now with with all of the binary politics and all of the binary discussions on everything is because we're not looking at shades of gray and we can't live with complex i think we're looking for simplistic things and and i just don't think that's life mm. See, my problem with it is, and I hate to sound hubristic, but then I sorted myself out with rules. But you have to, because you have to, this is my thing. But I keep what if we're all to, different? So you sorted yourself out I with rules. I think it's a lack of understanding of human beings. I don't beings. like rules. You know? <laughs> but rules just, are not always helpful for everybody. Rules sometimes like trap people. Yeah, but you have to manipulate. See, this is the problem that, that human beings come back to. And it's the, through time, this is a problem. A few of the philosophers have touched on it. You really have to accept that you're not in control. You're an ape, okay? You have, you have, you're an autopilot mainly, and everything that you are, 80% of what you are, is because of what you've been around. There's a bit of personality in there, but your neurology is set up in a certain way because of repetition. Your psychology is set up in a certain way because of the way your brain functions, but usually training. And you can't let the people don't accept, I am an ape, and I'm on autopilot, I'm on riding. But you can disrupt it. If yes. you grow in self-awareness, which is sounds this, like the journey that you thing, went yeah. on. But the same and I'm the thing, same. Yeah. So I grew up on a council estate in Merseyside. So my parents were divorced when I was seven. All, of, all I was surrounded by was was people doing drugs and sniffing glue. And I didn't know people who had jobs. Sniffing glue, that and, used to be a thing. What you know, I'm, I'm old, man. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> I want to be a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how you get out of, out of this situation because I didn't know people who had jobs. I didn't know anyone who went to university. Yeah. Nobody in my family went to university. Yeah. So I knew people that, you know, my family members were in prison. So, so that was the world that I was around. But it doesn't mean that that's my world. And it doesn't mean that I don't get to disrupt that if I want to. Oh, no, that's what I said. There's always personal choice. Just and I is. saw on, on TV that other people had different kinds of jobs. And I used to go to the local library and read obsessively on, on our estate. And I saw that, that people did different kinds of things. And I thought, well, I want choices too. I don't want life to happen to me. I want to be able to make choices. Yeah. So I get to decide what happens in my life. And I get me to make a difference for other people's lives too. Yeah. And so I thought, I need to go to university because education is going to give me choice. I didn't know another way to do it. Um, and and so that was my goal to get to university to be the first in my family to, yeah. to go to university and have choice. We are coming back to having choices, and if we want, I'm like, like, let's just drop the, Mal the Martin Luther King thing. But it is about choice. There are choices, but you are giving a certain role. You know, the role of the dice of genetically what you're from and things like that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, with stuff like that, it's uh, it, like your body or life or your circumstances or whatever give you 
a certain amount of probabilities, yeah. basically. And um, and then you can make choices kind of within those spaces. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, even back to... B- b- and even the continued life spaces. So if you think about racism, you know, yeah. our, our country is racist. I'm not talking about, you know, people being mean to one another. I'm talking about um, it's intrinsic in who we are. Well, um, people are in, racist, yeah, and it's manipulated by powerful people to make it worse at certain times. So, yeah. so if you're born black in this country, so you might think, well, you know, I'm really smart genetically. I've got like a good brain. Um, it doesn't mean that the same opportunities are going to be open to you as they are to everybody. Yeah. Everybody yeah. doesn't have equal choice, even if they come with the same genetic makeup of I'm really smart. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you boil it down, I mean, even it could be even in the womb. You know how what's what's the mother feeling in the womb? I remember being told that when I was four. Um, I smashed up a room with a lampshade. I went around and smashing it up. I mean, I grew up in a violent household, so I'm assuming the violence was there even before I was born. Yeah. So, I mean, you could even go back that far and go, well, what were you genetically blueprints with? The basic blueprints were you predispositioned to be angry? Did your adrenaline fire off quicker than other people? Forget then being born and everything that comes along with that, whether you're dyslexic or whether you're um, around violence or whatever. But there is the point when... And this is my thing when you know you're doing bad, because that I've from all the things I've ever said about things I've done in the past. There's I said, there's always a line I didn't cross, even when I, I went to mug somebody once and I was I hadn't eaten for a couple of days, nothing, no pennies, nothing. And I started to feel, oh, this is proper hunger. This isn't like I'm sugar hunger. This is like I feel faint because I haven't eaten for two days and I went to mug someone. And I thought, calm, <laughs> there's some line there or somebody offered me a lot of money to do drug dealing. Well, I couldn't even pay my rent, and it was like three thousand pound a week, and I could still I couldn't pay my rent, and I thought I can't. There's that line there. Why am I not crossing this line? Even in I've got nothing. I'm not going anywhere. I'll probably be dead. But where week. did your line come from? Because well, other people had a similar background. It's the, the, the same line, isn't there for them? They wouldn't that person. So the spirituality is the thing I least talk about, but it's, it overarches everything I've done. It overarches the personal development. It overarches the podcast. It overarches the magazine. It overarches it. It's the to get back to being the spiritual because you can't talk about certain things now you have to do stuff in this era and then people listen to you so that my thing that saved me and i didn't know what religion was i didn't i didn't know what the word spirituality was actually I just it was just there hmm. and then when i got to a certain point i realized oh people don't know what they're talking about they've just invented all this other stuff well okay, i better not talk about it so i'm gonna embarrass myself but then when life was bad for me i equated the two of good and evil and thinking why is things bad for me I haven't done anything wrong. I've just, I'm just reacting to what I'm around. I still haven't done terrible things, but it's still not working. So I hated myself then. That was like a proper in, internalized the hate of just kill me. What is the point of this? In fact, I said on one of these, I think it was a Christmas podcast once we had Christmas stories. And I said, one of the low points of my life, and I apologize for repeating this, was, um, so I'd run away from home. I, I didn't know I couldn't, I didn't know I couldn't read. So I just thought, dummy, it's dummy. I don't know what to, you know, and, um, uh, I was in a shared accommodation and it was like Christmas Eve and I just left because they're all celebrating stuff and when you feel bloody miserable you got nothing you get annoyed by people being happy so um, I left I just walked didn't know where I was going didn't have any money it was a tiny little crappy room I had nothing in it it had all been stolen and I walked and I walked through North, North London just kept walking didn't know where I went went to a park sat in the park thought I'd just sit here on the, on the I won't say where it is but it's some weird steps and um, some people came past me and I, to this day I never forget Talk about good Samaritans, three people walking in the park. And when you've got nothing and you feel like a low life, it's embarrassing to talk to people because you feel like you're, you're judging them yourself through their eyes, thinking they're thinking badly of you. So you feel bad talk. So it's better to be left alone. And I sat there 
and the three of them and a girl in the middle and the girl said to her, this is Christmas Eve night now she came up to me she went are you alright she walked past me and came and went are you alright and I just did the bullshit thing. oh yeah yeah I'm just waiting for a girlfriend and I was so embarrassed I couldn't even look her in the eye I was so embarrassed and she looked at me for about two seconds like I know he's lying but I don't know all right, see you later. That stuck with, with my memory and being punch drunk. That stayed with me to this day. And she walked off and I thought, well, I'm getting out of here. So I got to talk to people. So I ran off and I went through the park and went, walked through London, more through North London, got to about Hertfordshire. And there was a church. Now I found recently, I've, I've, I'd lied in my head about this story because I went to see the church before. It was on like a top of a hill and it was just a light. So I don't know what the thing is, why it was open at that time of night. It was definitely open at night time. And um, I thought it was on top of a hill. I was sure it was on top of a hill. I went past it the other day. It's about 50 yards from the main road. I thought, I was sure that was way up there. But in my mind, I'd created this you know, image. And um, But I went in there because the, the, the door was open. And I just don't know why I went there. And I always had a sort of reverence for religion. I felt like I didn't want to go in because I felt like I'm not, I shouldn't be in there. I'm not allowed to be in there sort of thing. Um, and I went in and uh, there's some people came out. And so I went in. It must have been about over an hour. It seemed sure. And I went and I sat on the, um, what do they call the benches? Pews. The pews. Yeah, I sat there. And I just sat there and I felt safe. I thought, oh, this feels like a womb. You know, for whatever. I don't know about religion. I don't know who's who. I don't know. I'm just sat there going, nothing really, not even bad. And then um, I heard some noises and I thought, oh, shit. So I ran out. I went around the side and sat around the side and heard the door close. And I sat there. And I don't know if I've, I don't think I felt, I think I passed out. I don't know why I wasn't drinking or anything, but I sat there by the um, the gravestones and I just fell asleep or what I must've been exhausted just mentally. Mm. I was just, well, I wasn't depressed either. That's the thing, but it's just, oh, this is just, I've got nowhere to go. What am I doing? There's no one here. It's Christmas Eve. I'm in bar. I'm trying to pretend it's not. And I woke up, must've been about four in the morning. Cause I had that weird light, that sort of, you know, that weird light. And I was staring at, I said, I was staring at the gravestone. And it said something really nice in it. And I was going to look at the other side, but I didn't. But it was something, and I was looking at it, and I was thinking, in my head at that time, I was thinking, I wonder if anyone in history has been this low. Like, there's nothing. I've done nothing. I've only experienced bad. Not, I can't even look back and go, oh, I wish things were. There's just bad. I don't even know there's nothing else other than bad. It's just misery. Life is just misery. I'm here. I've got nothing. It's Christmas. I'm going nowhere. I'm a bit cold. I'm sat outside a church on Christmas Day. No one cares. There's no witness to my life. Like if I just stay here, no. And I'm staring at a gravestone. I wonder if anyone in history, and I was trying to think back to maybe somebody in something thousands of years ago was this bad. Because this is just, there's nowhere to go. There's no lower bar. There's just this. I'm thinking, I wonder if this is the lowest of any human being has ever been. <laughs> That's my Christmas. And I don't remember my having that day. I must have gone back to the flat. But I was just sitting there staring at that gravestone for a good hour going i don't know what this is like what is why am what is this what there's nothing i'm not even complaining about it there's just nothing it's never been good there's nothing to look back on and like there's nothing to miss i can't even miss something i'm not depressed i've got no money no one knows i'm here what the fuck? this is really pathetic like that was my thought um but i felt bad even be so i don't know like the church I, I so again maybe i have created things thinking good's there evil's there stay away from there because my thing is always um and actually good's there and evil's there and good's there and evil's there no because i've got there and no i don't there. believe that because i've got rid of the evil and i make a point <laughs> to my own detriment i get rid of it it depends how you're defining that 
Uh, okay, so the violence that's gone. I think even evil is just like um, pretending to be friendly to somebody and not. I think I think about people all the time. And I think I can't ask them how because it's out of the ordinary for me to ask them. They probably don't think that's how you should act. It's a bit late, you know. I don't know you that. Why are you asking? That's in my head how the individuals connect. And I have to. But there, I, I'm just not an evil fan. I don't think. But I think there is good and bad in every person. Yeah, but you it's might a fight. Think you're it's a fight. Rid of it. It's definitely a fight. <laughs> it's just how much are you willing to in, uh, do it for? Because most people talk about spirituality or even like personal development. It's all just on the outset. It's not in you. It's not in you. There's um, there's a term in um, oh, the Muslim what they call it um, what's the war jihad? So that but they, they don't the media don't tell you there's another word. It's not the war. The the word jihad just means struggle. Oh, struggle. Okay. Well, so it's, a, it's, okay, right. we've just they've manipulated it. it. Well, I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, the media use that word, but there's they've got ishjihad, which means like the war within, and that's the main thing is you. So I've been at war with myself since whenever. But then when I got to that age of like 35 and started to sort of calm, I've been out of blur of putting the magazine together and just like 140 hours a week, not sleeping properly, just random jobs just to do this. I suddenly realised, oh, hang on, no one else is doing this. Like, they're just carrying on the way their life goes. And I've just spent the last 10 years, every minute, just trying to correct everything. And no one else is doing it. But I thought we were all sort of doing it. It's interesting that you think nobody else is doing it. No, but I mean, like, that was the main point of life. Like, that was all that existed. People are going out and having parties and all. go, but what about the the struggle of the, well, yes, I I read about it and I talk about it. I go to my yoga class and you go... That's not, I saw a woman in my going to my gym. Okay, so um, uh, it's quite a posh gym that I used to go to, and she ran in. This this old lady didn't have a card with her, and she said, "Oh, uh, I haven't got my card." She said, and the young girl said she had the yoga thing on. Um, oh, I need to see the card. She said, I come here all the time. Blah blah blah. And the woman, went, the girl, and I saw the pressure on that. And she went, "Okay." And she left and she went and ran into the yoga clock. I thought that yoga is wasted. Like that you, you you've what you've run into a yoga class, been rude to somebody, now you're going to go and do yoga. Like that's but a lie. You're lying to yourself. That isn't a, everybody's journey just different. No, and, that's a choice. I give you. Yeah, certain but, things. but but maybe her awareness about about that moment won't come until later. Yeah, be a rude person, but then don't run to, to go but into maybe the yoga she's just class. Rude is a in joke. That moment. Let me give you an example. Yeah. So, and then you can call me a rude person too. I would never do. So, that. so when I was just a trainee vicar, you're called a curate. So you've just been oh, ordained. Okay, yeah, and for yeah. first three years, you work alongside another vicar while you're kind of learning the ropes. Okay, like the curate's egg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so, so there I was in this church in, in Bradford, you know, learning how to be a vicar. And uh, there was a local Morrison's and I went there to do my shopping. And I get to the till and I've got my eggs and all my fragile things. And the lady on the till is just getting them and then she's just throwing them. She's zapped them and then she's throwing them down the, you know, the yeah, slippy things like a pack. And disgusting. I was just like, she's just going to smash yeah. everything. So she's just like, just chucking it like that. And then I, I like pay her and I'm feeling the indignation rise yeah, in yeah, me. You know, yeah. she's so rude. She shouldn't even be on the tills, you know, no customer yeah. service skills. I used to work in a shop and I would never treat customers like this, you know, doing the whole thing. So she's throwing everything down and then I pay her and she just puts the change in my hand and there's no thank you or anything you know and then I'm just like oh and I walk away with my bags of shopping and then I see a lady who's from our church um, and she's got the, her uniform on and she obviously works there and I said oh I didn't know that you work here and she was like oh yeah she said I supervise all the people who work on these tills and I was like oh right well you see that woman over there on, on till number eight I said you need to speak to her because yeah. she shouldn't be on the tills yeah. like customer facing you need to put her in the warehouse at Too the back right. or staffing shelves yeah. or something because you know she's just like through almost and she said oh yeah she said her husband just died last week and she was really struggling with okay. life and being at home. And, he, and she said, so we, we let her come into work. And I just was like, 
please can the ground just swallow me up and from that moment i thought i will never be too quick to judge because everyone is dealing with something right. because i'm like a northern politeness i'm like oh we we must always say please we must always say thank you and you know if somebody's rude i'm just like there's just no need for that but there's stuff behind that no don't accept like that. she she was not rude for nothing. She was rude because she was in massive pain. Yeah, but then I've, I know people have been in massive pain and they act kind. I've, but what, she's a different person. Why can't you let but somebody that's, be a different person? But this is my point. I don't see myself as any sort of paradigm of anything. I, don't, I really don't. So if I'm doing it, who am I supposed to look up to? Because if you're not doing it and you've had less... I've had people that lost. I, I remember stand... Right, so I can but you do, I don't know that she's not completely alone now. I don't know yeah, But that. I know people that have been completely alone but, and have done yeah, good but things. People have, bad, people. people have bad days and people have sure things going do. off in their life. Yeah, sometimes, don't take it on somebody I'm, else. If I have no sleep, I know, but you can't, like, can't help it. Sometimes you have no sleep, <laughs> no, no, you're yeah. hungover, you go, you know, you miss your bus or whatever, you're late for work and, you know, and like, you don't, you're not, uh, you know, you're not up for it and you're not, you know, fun you're and You're not happy. at your best. You're not your best and it's not necessarily your fault well it is your fault because you didn't get any sleep and you hung over but it's not it's not something you're consciously choosing to do it's just something that's kind of happened but then that's the weakness then because i said i i I, i've actively tried to paint a picture behind me from and i come out of hell so when i say why uh, right i i know my life is basically around people that have had it bad and had terrible things happen to them, horrendous things happen to them, and go, my God, what a good person. Like, still, like, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. I remember when I was putting the magazine together, my, I, I, people saying to me, oh, you're going to become an arsehole because you're working all these hours, you don't sleep, and it's just relentless, and you don't stop, and you go. And I said, no, that's a choice. You've chosen to do that. I remember when we, I was putting, because nobody was being paid, so I had to bend around everybody else, is why I kept changing jobs, because I kept getting the sack to go to meetings and things like that. And I remember trying to get a photographer and a graphic designer together. Um, and it took about three months to get them together. Eventually got them to meet on the same day. And on the way there, somebody phoned me and said, your best friend, like he died, like just that randomly, he went to sleep. And I was like, well, and more of a father figure. I didn't really trust anybody. Only bloke ever hugged me, like I trusted him. And he said, oh, he died. And I had that feeling, human emotions. And I'm thinking, right, these are all human emotions hitting me now. I still had to go to the meeting and I still had to be positive and talk to them and everything's fine. No one would have known I was rude. No, I never. So the thing I keep coming back to is if I'm doing it, what's your bloody excuse? I know girls that have, um, um, uh, okay, so I know loads of people, things of girls have been raped and things like that because in your council estate and people have come out of care and your shared accommodation, you meet all people, they've all come out of terrible lives. I know one girl was, had a baby by her dad because the dad had raped her and she didn't tell the mum. So the mum wanted to know who the father was and because she, she wouldn't tell him because she didn't want to ruin the family, got kicked out. And she was standing in a shop paying for something once. I was looking at her thinking, she's smiling away with that woman. You're like, you wouldn't know. She's not taking it out on anybody. And I know them for years. And you go, there's no excuse. when you. There's no excuse to be nasty. That's your weakness. So when but you say it, something bad happened. Yes, no, but that's, the, yeah. Like the, the lady in the shopping, she wasn't being nasty. She no, but, was just hurting. Yeah, but then you're, you're hurting somebody, being rude to somebody. I, just, I could not do but it. She wasn't, she wasn't doing it consciously. And you might not be able to, but she's a different person. Yeah. Her entire life experience has been different to yours. I don't know how bad But this is been. my point. There's no hubris in me. My bar is pretty low, I think. So if I'm doing it, I go, well, what the bloody hell then? If you're supposed to be that and you're supposed to be that. If I'm that 
and you're not, what the hell does that say then? But I think it's easier for me, having had to struggle and grown up on an estate and remember what it's like that my mum can't eat because she's feeding us, you know. And so I think I'm at an advantage more than my husband, for example, who's never known struggle. So I can appreciate things more than he can. He's never had to yeah, think, yeah, what, that, if, what if we haven't got enough there's food? There's definitely, and- well, if you have been dragged into the gutter, then you're, that you've had to put up with more. So your senses are slightly... You know, you're you're able to put up with more if you just had. In fact, you just yesterday I was talking to somebody and he said I was around the guys. I was doing some work for him. Something went a little bit wrong and he flew off the handle and he was she's saying I effing this and effing that. And I said some people maybe it's it, it's to do with what you've experienced. If you've just lived behind a checkbook and your family name and all that for long enough and nothing's ever gone wrong, you've never had to do a job you don't want to do. You've never had yeah. to be around anybody you don't want to do because you just go back to that safety. If that's not there, you haven't had that, you don't get that barrier that's built up of, I can protect myself here because I've seen this before. I know how to deal with this. So some people are just in chimp mentality. I don't know how to deal with this problem of what it was with a washing machine. So I'm going to scream because I can't fix this and I can't run away and get it sorted. So I'm going to scream at you. But if you've had loads of problems, somebody else's problem saying, oh, this happened, you go, all right, get over it. What's the big deal? But so, some people have. So maybe de- dealing with terrible things all your life builds I, up something. In yeah, you. but just going, well, you know, so what? Just get over it. I think then we're at risk of lacking all compassion. So I was a high school chaplain for five years and um, so 1,600 young people in the school. You know, when you're 12 and your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you and you're devastated, I was finding some of the members of staff, not all, because it it was an amazing school and the staff mostly were amazing, but now and then they wouldn't be hugely sympathetic because they'd be thinking, well, get over it because you're going to be in love probably five more times in your life. It's going to happen a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just, you know, they were not too sympathetic to the pain. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, all of that. Whereas... When you're 12, 13, 14, 15, you're devastated. It's like your world has ended. Mm. And I was like, I'm not going to go, well, you know, just like put that in perspective, people. No. I'm going to go, I'm going to be compassionate because their level of pain at that moment in time that they're experiencing That's is real. Pain. Is real. real pain. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. meet them at the point of reality yeah. and, and deal with that. Not where I want them to be. Not that I wish there was something else. Not that I know they're not going to learn something else further down the line. But I want to meet them at their point of pain and support them through that. Not say, get over it, you shouldn't be no, like that. There's but, people who've had far worse than you. Sort yourself out. No, but you know? it's the thing that people keep doing to me. You keep saying, well, you must mean that then. And I go, no, I agree with everything you're saying. Somebody's in pain. It's horrendous. And maybe they might try and hide it, which is what you think I'm saying. And you should know it's okay to experience pain. That's what being a human is. But it's when you go, sod you something's bad happened to me I'm throwing you go no 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 now you're choosing and you're not 12 but I don't think she was choosing I don't think it was conscious I think it was carelessness she's in so much pain she's not taking as much care as she normally would about her if you start kicking things that's anger that's frustration that's don't take that's you're putting that on somebody else now there's a social thing here that I will feel bad for you if something's terrible or you're quiet I say are you okay which is what I do even though I shouldn't I do but if you start kicking and punching, you're like, well, f this. Because when, where does it? But, you, but you, can, you can go to domestic hurts. violence. Then, well, I'm angry that this happened, so I'm going to kick you. Oh, well, that's yeah. all right then, because he's angry. It's not his fault. No, there's a choice where now it's on another person. That thing that jumps over, that's evil. That's you choosing to do that. Well, it's it's sometimes people just externalizing those types of emotions. You know, it's, it's not with anger. Anger, mate. anger is sometimes not always, but it can be depression. Um, externalized and pushed yeah, out. Yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, and again, people don't sometimes really. Uh, I suppose. I suppose underlying everything is is maybe your assumption that people can are always kind of free to act. Yeah. 
completely and in control. Uh, yeah, and can be completely in control themselves and 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 their actions. But and I'm not my... entirely sure most people are. But this is my I saw a okay. statistic recently that said um, it was very it's very low. It said that I think only under twenty percent of people uh, were able to self analyze their actions and their behaviors uh, and had an inner monologue in that sense so that they had an inner voice yeah, nothing that they could express correcting yeah. yeah sort of going hang on a sec what's going on here yeah. you know what i mean yeah like that, that they were able to that there was a uh an i suppose an id uh to sort of there to sort of check a meta mind yeah. above your mind and that not everyone was actually capable of doing this or but, chose not yeah to i believe it. that and i don't want to and i'll tell you why because it goes back to the fact of there are different types of people and some are smarter than others because and if you just analysed it from an alien perspective and there was nothing invested in it, you'd go, well, you've got the mammalian brain that was at the back and then it developed forward. And some oh, yeah. people just... Crocodile brain. Yeah, some yeah. people just haven't developed forward. But then you start getting into that iffy realm of, well, some people are designed to better than others. Cause, but that's technically what it is. If that's, if that's your excuse of some people's brains can't do that you go well then that means there's different levels of human being and that starts well i but i don't know i met some I, people are designed to be leaders and some people are designed to well some people don't want to be some people don't No, want but i'm to saying in terms leaders. of the brain some people are developed and that and i agree with you like that's my problem i think well some people are still children like there are some people just work on knee-jerk reactions to things but i don't like that because then it means we're not all equal and that scares me uh i <laughs> I don't necessarily think we are all equal, but we should all be treated equally. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of the, yeah. So the aliens say, what do you say? Because so? oh, everyone's, everyone's not all tall and thin and whatever. But it's scary when you start talking about the brain, because you have to go, if we just look back and go, that person should be there and that person should be doing that and that person should be out front leading. And it, it, I hate that sort of thing. That goes against everything I believe in. I I, I, I love, um, on a slightly side topic, I love yeah. meeting uncurious people. I met an uncurious lady the other day and she was fascinating. She was just like, yep. All right. Well, then she, yeah. she just never, no follow-up questions. She was very nice, very yeah. nice lady. Um, but she was completely uncurious and she was talking about living in a house. Um, she'd lived in the same house for like two years. Didn't know how the heating had worked. Um, didn't bother to check. Yeah. <laughs> they had like sky TV. Didn't know what channels or package they had. Never bothered. To, but I was, and she was that. she was very clever. She, I think she got like a first at maths. What does that mean? Uh, university. Not, well, She's clever, clever yeah, girl. Yeah, clever yeah. girl. She's not, not fit. But she was just incredibly uncurious, and I was like, "Wow, this is really fascinating." Well, I've met. What if she'd always had somebody else do everything for her? Somebody else got the skybox in and sorted out the channel, so know. she but didn't again, have it to comes worry back about that thing of hiding behind a checkbook. So if you come from money, you've got a safety net. Then you, everything just goes back to the safety net and bounces off of that. So everything you've never had to physically learn stuff. So like you said, when she's clever, I was thinking. Well, no, she's good at maths. That's, this doesn't mean anything other than you're good at that thing. It's a yeah. thing. It's a tiny little fraction of life. doesn't mean you're clever. Um, she's clever at maths. She's clever at maths. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a, doesn't it's mean you're grammar. wise. doesn't mean you're yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. doesn't mean yeah. you're... <laughs> but I, when, I, when I started, when I wanted to do something in my life and I just climbed out the bloody gutter and got some money and then I thought, right, to do the thing that I want to do, I've got to climb back into the gutter worse than where I'd come from to, because I've got to keep getting sacked because this is my one purpose. So the world's going to have to bend around me. So I kept getting sacked, obviously. And, um, but I would have to Did do... you have to get sacked? Well, yeah, because was, I'm saying, right, well, I've got a meeting with this person because I'm doing this magazine thing. Oh, right. I can't tell people what I'm doing because it's lunacy what I've said I was doing, so I had to lie. 
so I'm not going to be work tomorrow. We have to be. You were consistently lying, making um, a choice, yeah. continually to lie, not but just making not the bad. mistake once. No, because it's for the greater good. Continuing to lie over and over. <laughs> yeah, but I'm for the greater good. They're too ignorant to understand what I'm doing, ah, so I can't yeah. even get involved. Ah, greater good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the greater so, good. So, so it's worth keeping the legend of MLK alive because he is uh, the figurehead of the civil rights movement and did, you know... Great. Things for the greater good. Yeah, great changes. No, but there's no for the greater if, good. If I so, had been punching people because so of the greater women, good, that you can't do that. Unfortunately, if a few women have to get slept with on the side, maybe that's no. Because that is such a off. If he said I had to lie to somebody or I had to commit I an act, have, I had to strangle Hitler. Sex with other Fine. women. Like yeah, no, other no, wife, no, that's not in order for the civil rights. But to keep having to, to get sacked, then maybe you you were taking jobs away from somebody else who would have kept that job or giving the job to somebody else. That's how I looked at it. But anyway, these jobs nobody wanted to do. There's certain jobs that go on. In this in, in the that happened now that more or less close to slavery so i was in the gutter with the lowest form of jobs you could do that nobody wanted to do that people just turn off and disappear a lot of them were cashing out jobs but they pay at the end of the day because nobody would stick out the jobs so i had to do all those jobs because no normal job would let you just go i'm off i'm off i'm see you later i'm not coming in today be, be but, a bit careful <laughs> with yeah tax but stuff. but anyway so oh this is a long time ago so but when i would um uh, was putting the magazine together oh excuse me um, you make me nervous about what I was saying. I thought, no, it's not as long. Actually, it comes back to we've got to talk to his lawyers. His girlfriend's a lawyer, so oh, I've got to talk okay. to some stuff, figure out what I can and can't say. Um, <laughs> but when I did those jobs, excuse me for saying, but I was I'd, I'd pretty worldly at that point, and I've gone to the opposite end where people can't read and haven't learned to read in 30 years. And I had to go, Jesus, oh, sorry, I'm here. But if this is torture. He apologizes to me for saying Jesus. I'm, I don't know what the rules are here. I don't know what the, I was a bit worried before rules. and I started to panic a bit before you came. I thought this seemed like a good idea at the time. And now this I'm is gonna... what, you know, it's actually really difficult sometimes. I've had normal jobs before and I've been a chaplain for most of my ordained ministry, which is in normal people's life or in prison or different things like that. And one of the most difficult things is I will accept other people and their language and saying whatever they want, but people constantly feel like they have to apologize. Yeah, like I'm censored and I'm like, no, I'm yeah. just responsible for me and my mouth and my behavior yeah you said You're some things you've made me relax you've made me relax a bit yeah. more you're quite open-minded i thought oh thank god for that. the pressure was off for it. i was really i felt like headmistress was in the room but, anyway. but that's an interesting assumption already isn't it like i wonder what led to that panic i wonder what led to you thinking well, i've invited a vicar here and now i'm scared that i'm not going to be allowed to be myself yeah, it might be a personal oh. thing with me with a spiritual thing like it's still out yeah. there because like i said what i said everything i was doing to get people back to that i think if you don't have that thing there everything falls apart below um, but what I was saying about the, the job, so I'd have to do this job being fairly intelligent and know that this job, borderline illegal, not illegal in terms of like they're breaking rules and getting you to do work that you shouldn't be doing. And I had to go, how do I make this? Every morning was hard. So I thought, how do I get through this day again, knowing that the person that runs the company is an idiot. You're doing things a long way rounded. Sometimes you don't get lunch breaks. People are getting hurt. But I have to can only do these jobs. So I have to, so I would, ha even in the worst possible terms with people that couldn't read, people didn't speak English, people that'd be rude, people that you knew had done shady stuff in life, a lot of criminals, people thieving off each other. I had to sort of make this work. I had to learn from this. So even in those worst times where people being rude, racist, I'd go, right, I'm going to make him not racist because I'm stuck with him now and I've got to work with him. And it would be like a, I was teaching myself, if I'm going to be doing these jobs for this long, I've got to make this work for me. I've got to get up every morning and go, there's a reason I can't get through it unless I'm learning something. And that's when I studied a lot about um, when you put a torch to something, a flame to something, then all your bullshit falls away. Because I would be studying breathing techniques, like doing heavy lifting jobs and 
finding people that were difficult to get on with and finding out over months what is it wrong with them why how do i get back to them i would do even things where i started to get bored because i realized people are fairly one-dimensional when you can manipulate them fairly quickly and they're just simple they're apes i would try and get people to say stuff from like a different group of people by using a word to see if i could get that word to spread to that group i mean it was mental because i had to because i was doing horrendous work and there was like it was hard so i had to go i'm here today to do this thing when I'm wrapping up and downstairs, I was reading about breathing techniques and how to breathe properly in meditation. And so I'll do that while I'm running up and downstairs. I'll, I'll try different breathing techniques. People tell you now, what was this case? Like, shh, shh, shh. And, I, and I couldn't explain to them. I was just in my own little bubble of like experimentation with all these people around me. Because when you're at the low point, that's where you learn stuff. That in the doing security at nightclubs, when all the crap falls away, when people have been drinking, it doesn't matter who does what job, you start to see what people are actually like. So the thing I kept coming back to was, God, my God, they are, people are apes and it's just different levels of ape. It's, it's very eye-opening. If you've ever worked a job um, in a bar or a <laughs> pub late night, to, to be around, to be stone cold sober and be around drunk people yeah. is, uh, you know, it, oh, I mean, really drunk people. Yeah. I mean, you know, nightclub falling falling down, being dragged out, yeah. kind of. It's it's very eye-opening. And There's you're an like, illusion. wow, we really are just, yeah, a yeah. bunch, bunch of apes. apes yeah. <laughs> but it's well, like you have yeah. to go past the point of thinking, yeah, that's probably true, and going, oh, no, it, it, we are apes that we think we're smart. And then it takes a, it takes a little bit just to strip away that veneer of uh, nothing. civilization yeah. Yeah. and civility, yeah. Um, so... Oh, this has been quite heavy. This was supposed to be. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can we get away? Yeah. I'm holding you responsible for the heaviness. <laughs> but I just, I, I, I why does it always come to war? I, I defend everything. It is a good and evil, and it comes right down to everything we just said. I, I say in my head, they nicked. This got nicked off me on an advert, which annoyed me. In my head, I had to sort of go, who's who, like good and evil. And in my head, I think, right, the devil's in everyone. So it makes you do things, not in the big ways. It won't have somebody come to life and say, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to do that. It will get you in tiny little ways. It will make you, oh, look, it's a friend of yours. He's got some money. Or oh, it's a credit card that's got finance. Like, you're poor. Just do it once. It's all these tiny little things that they get you. So my thing was correcting all those tiny little things. Anytime that thought comes up, spin it around. Oh, I should be doing something. Oh, I can't be bothered. No, do it. Oh, well, there's that person. Should I text them? Well, I don't really know them that well. But they did say to me they were doing something. No, don't text me. You don't know. No, I'm going to do it. And it was, I was correcting tiny little things constantly. But that's as I said, when it came back to speech. So when you talk about cheating on people, that to me, that's like, that's pure fucking evil to do that to somebody. Um, but yeah, so it's come back to the thing of good and evil. But that's why I believe it's your choice. That is the fight is inside you. It's just how much you choose to do it. And my thing of sacrificing everything I had when I could have had a decent life and done things and I had to turn down money when I was sat in the dark, in my head go, no, you were trying to do something here. You can't give up. So there is a good and evil. And so you have to sometimes give up things, to, which I have, to um, achieve other things. So when you are successful when you're whoever and you cheat on somebody, that's a pure selfish bloody act. It's, to me that's horrendous it's not a little thing and people make excuses no excuses tiny things maybe excuses well people make excuses because they have to justify things in their own heads yeah i mean prisons are filled with people who were like ah you know the, 
The bank, the bank's insured. Ah, uh, they had it coming. Well, I knew uh, they were a bad guy. That Most of the people who've, who've done stuff by ripping off banks are not in prison because they've yeah, got to find really good that. lawyers. The, the people <laughs> in prison are not the people who ripped off I banks. Say, true, true. I've watched like... Um, no, they're, they're all in the House of Lords. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the so I spent some time volunteering in a Young Offenders Institute ah. and, and you can you can have a look when you're staff there and you can see where everybody's come from. So you're looking on the computer and I could have booked them in from birth. You know, they're people yeah. who've had no one to believe in them. They're like below key skills, level one, like mm. mostly really uneducated. They never stood a chance. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. given them opportunities in life. Yeah. They're the people that are filling our prisons. I remember a Schwarzenegger in his book, it was a quite an interesting thing. He was talking about when he brought sports to America, they did the America's Greatest Workout, you know, when he was in the late 80s and he was the czar of fitness for America and all that. And he said... I knew sports was a way of saving people and giving them self-esteem and some people were just going to be good at sports and things like that. He said, so I implemented loads of things. So after-school programs were all funded across the US. It was a big deal. And he said he then went to parts of the company, uh, the country and said, nobody was going. And he said, it doesn't make any sense. It's free. They're, being, they're given the facilities. It's paid for. So he went and spoke to them. And he realized, oh, there's a... And I've used this. He didn't say this, but it's um, when you've got futility, you could go... Uh, um, it's a hard thing to overcome with futility. You could say to me, Theo, life shit, it's all terrible. Guess what? We're going to do a podcast thing. It's going to be great. It's going to be number one in a year. I'm thinking in my, I know things never get better. So you, we could come here and you think, well, I've given this guy an opportunity. It's going to be amazing. And I'll come here and I'll steal the equipment and just run out because it doesn't get better. What are you talking about? It's bullshit. It's nothing. So that it's that futility. And when you say about people in prison and all that, you can go here, look, here's the opportunity. But if inside you, I don't know what you're talking about. When you talk about next week, I don't know what you're talking about. Forget year, pinch. What are you talking about? I'm never getting you there. You take the opportunity when it's right in front you of you. You have to, it, the first Short-term thing. thinking. Yeah, so you, but you have to go, look, when you do one thing, it gets better. But if you don't know that, like I said to you at the beginning, you've never been taught that, that things get better. It doesn't make any sense. I am not don't know what you're talking about. That's you and your world. Things don't get better. I'm just trying to not get killed this week. You don't know where I have to go back to. So, you got it's like a thing I said with when I was putting the magazine together. It's not people's um um it's not up to them to be interested. You've got to take that visor off them to make them realise everything's interesting and you could be good at everything. It's just you've chosen from what life's told you what you can do and what you can't do. So people that have been inside um, um Fenders Institute and all that, you've got to get that bloody visor off that says, Look, I know this is just noise but coming the, at you. The thing is that's really hard to do. And for me, yes, we have yeah. to look at the whole of society and what responsibilities we take in, in, in people ended up in places like that. Because when they come out, they come back out also do exactly the same things yeah, that yeah, you they haven't learned would, anything, yeah. know. And they're surrounded by exactly the same kind of people. And in fact, now they've got a criminal record and yeah. things are, are really a little bit worse than they were before they went in. Yeah. And we expect that then they're going to be able to just like smoothly go well, into society. It's a lot of, and uh, class, it's abuse. You take, if that was a child, you just have to do that. If they're a child, which they are, they haven't been learned uh, with deep emotions. And you take that child who's 25 and bung them in a cage, you're just abusing them. You have to understand that the, that the brain doesn't work like you. I used to say when well, I didn't know what a prime minister was. I know it's something to do with politics or something like that. Or didn't know this country or another country. All this concerned with is who was going to stab who, and somebody's just come out of jail and blah 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 on the drugs, and I need to get money to feed. So I didn't know what was going on in the world. So you're completely out the loop. If you and when they you get older and you go, oh, there's a law that was brought in to say that you can't carry a knife or whatever. They don't know that. They're not watching TV. They're just dealing with the same 15, 20 people. So they impart all these laws, but you go, you don't understand. That 25-year-old, that 21-year-old, you're dealing with a 10-year-old 
And you're going, well, tell them to do that. Well, the law says they should. They, they're not firing on all cylinders. And until yeah. we get over that fact. Individual choices are not separated from like the whole of society and how it functions. Yeah. I remember doing a course and they were teaching us. It was just a little story. And I think it was a Maori, like small town, village kind of place in New Zealand. And they'd, they'd said to um, one of the local young people had stolen something from a shop. So all the elders of this community all met together. What do you think they were meeting to discuss? Go on. They wanted to sit down and discuss together what they'd done wrong oh, as a community nice. that had led yeah, to that young that. person yeah. wanted Bloody to steal right. from the shop. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, absolutely. Because yeah. they were saying, well, why does he need something? Why does he need to steal? Yes. Have we surrounded him by wealth? Have yeah. we said, these are the things that only rich people can achieve, but we're going to advertise it and put it all in your yeah. face and you'll never think you're going to get it? You know, what has led yeah. to him wanting to do that? And they sat around as a bunch of people and said, where have we gone yeah, wrong? And how society. have we contributed yeah. to that? Yeah. And I think- As a community. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could do that as a society? Instead of just going, I'm going to punish you for that bad thing you've done. I'm going to put yeah. you in jail for the next three but or I, five if you, years. You have to. What I've What's led out, to them getting and that, that idea? I mean, the, the rise of individualism and the rise yeah. of individuality as a, as a concept has, for better or worse, mm. almost well, mostly worse. Mostly worse. Yeah. Got rid of the idea of community and a society as a whole. I mean, I think this is why we're having an issue with what is national identity in this country, mm-hmm. what's it mean to be English, where, you know, what is Englishness, where we go and where are we going? Where where are we heading to? Even after Brexit, where what is the plan? Where where is what is the even goal or, or value that we are seeking? You know? And and entirely um, huge issues with with mental health uh, and the huge yeah. rise in depression and anxiety <clears throat> and one of our biggest problems in our society isolation and loneliness. Um, Internet. You know, what, yeah. yeah. What's going down and what are we doing about any of it? Yeah. Have you? Do you know what the hikikomori is? Hikikomori. Have you heard that term? So you know China and that like, about more advanced with us in, with in, uh, electronics and they're more it's more ingrained in the younger culture you know it's come here afterwards but it's really ingrained over there so they've had it more the problems have gone there first and now coming over here softly and the hikikomori they send word for these um, kids and it's not a small thing anymore that refuse to go to school they they don't leave their house they don't leave their bedroom they just stay and these parents are having to fund their adult children growing up but staying in the room. So I think it was like a dispatches program. It's a Japanese thing. I think, yeah, or Japanese, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's, th- th- there was some sort of program that followed them around for an hour and they talked to the parents. So now these kids won't even leave the room. They're just in front of the computer with all the sort of hyper-reality of computers and YouTube videos and noises, whatever. And the, they won't, now they wouldn't leave the house. They lost their job. They won't go to school. Now they just won't even leave the bedroom. The parents aren't even allowed in the room. They've just become so enclosed. And they follow one woman. She goes up. She, they, she says, I just leave the food outside the door. <laughs> Every three days he comes to have a wash. And she opens the door. And you can't see it. But you start screaming at her. Closing it. Blah, blah, blah. And she said, it's a big problem now. Where they've got sort of what's happened is there's like a police force that you call. They have to pull them out physically and take them to like a, a an boot intervention. camp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? and they follow I'd the kids. I'd be kid. like power cut. Yeah, and the women yeah, just the... cut the cut the wife yeah. away. Like genuinely, you turn the <laughs> like, router the, off. The, the, he'll come straight out. Like one two of the, seconds the later, wife, he's out. The, like... the mother was saying, "Look, I'm so embarrassed, but it's not my first choice. I've offered him money. We've offered him this. We do mm-hmm. this. He doesn't want anything." So she goes to these people, gets them, they pull him out. They take him somewhere. He's screaming like a baby, like a 21, 22-year-old. He's an addict. Yeah. Addict. I mean, he's, yeah. that's an addiction. They take him to point. like a yeah. borstal. Well, it looks like a borstal, more yeah. like an army camp. And he's on the phone saying, I hate you. I'm going to kill myself if you don't get me out of here, blah, blah, blah. They have to do the exercise and all that. And you go, that's coming, mate. Like, it's soft at the moment with people being depressed and, you know, loneliness and 
calling people friends online, which just, you know, you might as well call them pixies. The friend word is irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. Um, um, and judging yourself through how many people are looking at you, just rack, hollowing yourself out and go, well, I have to be made up of what people are putting inside me. And if everyone's looking at me, then I feel something. And if they're not, then what am I? Um, but yeah, that's coming here. And like, that's another thing that I, nobody's doing. I said this before. I hope I haven't said the name. I hope they don't mind me saying it. I'm not going to say the name. But a TV presenter I know, an attractive TV presenter in their early 20s, no irony whatsoever, said to me, oh, you're not going to like this. Well, she obviously assumed I wasn't going to like it. So, oh, but I'm on this Tinder thing. And I was like, oh, for f And I said, why are you on that? And she said to me, and I, it was like a photograph of where I was when she said it and what, what my, where my hand was. I was looking down. And she went to me, no irony. She went, well, where else am I supposed to meet people? And in a half a second, I was thinking, you're a TV presenter, attractive, young. It's the question that hurt me. Oh, you really don't know. Like, where else am I supposed I, I, I get wrote, drunk and go to a nightclub. I, I said, mean, people did date. I, I always say, who I have a friend who just said this. How else am I supposed to meet someone? And I said, go to a library. Find yeah, a nice yeah. person. <laughs> but someone you know, that reads books. Don't be going to a nightclub and looking for someone drunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. As so I think it was uh, Dylan Moran said, he said, you wouldn't buy a toaster in that condition. So why are you going out <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> someone you want to spend the rest of your life with? But can, you know? I, can I get back to Eve and say there is an answer to this? Because I, when I would have wanted to find an answer to something, I thought, I don't know what to do here. I just genuinely don't know what to do. I would go to the, the beach, sit there and leave the phone behind and say, right, I'm not leaving here until I figure out the answer. And your brain, it takes about three hours before you calm down and you start, you know, your brain and you go, right, let me just think. And I was thinking, I found an answer that's sort of, it's quite ambiguous, but you go, you have to really step back from a problem. It's, that's Like you said before, that's not the problem. There's a bigger problem. We don't solve why is that person stolen. We go, what That's a happened? symptom. What happened 10 years ago that made that? Mm -hmm. And it works. On, on You can have a problem here and you go, right, let it go. Let that problem go and stand back. What's the bigger thing that could happen here? and with good and evil and talking about why do why do we, the prisons and that and why do people feel like this and why do we feel like that people on, on in their natural state aren't broken this is the problem there is another thing out there that's poking them to make them unhappy I've said before, why do we hate black people? Why do we hate this? Why do? Why is there always a new person? Do we to, hate black people? <laughs> no. But, but should I still hate... <laughs> he the, said that to you before. Uh, We've yeah. had a conversation uh, Should I still hate not, not Russians? Honest, yeah. Should I still hate Germans? Oh, we've moved on from that. Oh, the Irish are at the 70s? Oh, yeah. we hate the Irish. Oh, we don't French, hate them no more. Back yeah, I mean, how? I don't. who shall I be hating? Yeah. You have to go, there are people actively pushing you the other way to hate. Called And I said this to Andrew with them... Uh, you, the terrorists in terms of what is terrorism are the people that dispel the fear well if somebody murders somebody up north i'm only scared about people down here's murdering somebody because you've told me about somebody else murdering somebody i only might fear somebody uh who's um uh, uh um part of the muslim sect because you've been telling me for 10 years to be scared. I don't actually know anybody that scares me that's Muslim or done anything, but you've been telling me. The media are the terrorists. They're the ones that spread the fear. If you stop reporting on it, most of it would go away. If you stop reporting on who's who and so-and-so stabbed so-and-so, and it would go away largely. So I the terrorists are the ones telling you, look what's going on, it's all murder. So when we talk about... Yeah. Who, where do I meet people? No, no, it is. When you say, where, why, where do I meet people? It's because you've been taught people are bad. 
don't there that's the rapist that's the paedophile wasn't talked about till the 80s when then the news of the world started using the word and then suddenly we can't let your kid go there you can't do that what are you has anything actually happened well no but i i'm scared and i don't know why why do i have to go on tinder because i can't go and talk to somebody you might be a nutter you might be a that. but yeah you ain't gonna meet one on tinder yeah no, yeah but my point <laughs> is, is yeah. <laughs> but my point is you've been told now by media and big things they there when we talk why do we do this because there are people pointing at you say look hey, do this worry about that be scared i think it's really complex and i think with the news thing we we see lots of bad things on the news but that's why they're on the news because they're really rare and i'm remi- i remind people all the time especially elder people elder people who are quite isolated so all they have is the news they watch the news and all they see is all of this negative yeah. stuff about everyone wanting to stab each other or blow everybody yeah. up and i'm always saying and remind yourself how much of that do you see yeah, exactly. How often have you seen yeah. somebody blown up? How often have you seen somebody stabbed? Yeah. That's going to be different for different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and actually, my, my real life experience is I, is I see acts of kindness almost every day, yeah. all yeah. around. It depends what I choose to look at. So if you just concentrate on the news, it's there because it's rare. But that's the what fabulous, me. beautiful my, acts my of kindness. You used, don't see them. Used to go, wow. He goes, wow. They really have to go far now to find awful things. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, wow. They've gone to you know Borneo and uh, you know Jakarta. Wow. Is, they, they've had to go quite far to find something awful. So it comes back to whether it's who we're supposed to hate or be fearful of all the stabbings or whatever, or who do I, how do I get a date with somebody that that if it's not through an electronic conduit safely, it's because you have been told to be scared. You have now absorbed it so much that you don't even know you've been trained to be scared to people. I was in a a bar, um, a hotel with somebody and I was explaining to them literally how I had done, how did you get to that person and get them to do that for nothing? And I explained to them the process I went through. Because I didn't know I wasn't allowed to. I didn't know you had to get a degree and do the thing and then speak to that CEO at the top of the... All the I just went and knocked on the company door and said, can I speak to the boss? I didn't know. It wasn't confidence, just arrogant. I didn't, didn't know. And she was saying to me, well, how do I... And I was saying, right, that's what I did. Why don't you go and do it? Well, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking, I've just told you that you can go and do something. But in your head, you've still been taught that, no, that's not how it works. Like, you've got to... Even I've just told you how to do it, you're saying, no, I can't go and do it. And I said to her, you know, if you want to say you want to work for a, one of the, the major international publishers, why don't you just go and knock on the door and say, can I have five minutes to speak to the CEO if he's got some time? Well, eh, eh, and I said to her, you know, this is what I said to her when we were sat in the hotel. I said, you know, other people, this is what I learned later of why I was able to go and do things without going through 10 years of training and going to speak to a CEO and whatever. I said, um, you know, they're just you. Like, and I said to her, right, you see all these people sat in this hotel room now. Would you go and speak to them? And go, well, no, I don't want to, you know, I don't know. I go, but if other people were saying about you, you'd just go, yeah, it wouldn't bother me. I'm just, well, it's me. But you, why do you assume that other people are going, ooh, ooh, what, what are you talking to me for? They're you. I said, so a CEO of a company is you. It's another human being who's a decent, nice person, blah, 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 largely. Well, I said, <laughs> No, but go and ask. But it's this thing like the Tinder. I can't go and say, hi, look, I know you don't know, blah, blah, blah. I was in the gym three weeks ago and I spoke to a guy and I said, I was going to help him. So I said, excuse me, mate. The look on his face, I may as well have had a hammer that he had the headphones on and the fear in his face when I just told him, I thought, oh, gee. That's your answer then about why your friend can't just go and speak to someone walking down the street or sat on a bus because people freak out around here. Yeah, but that's what I mean. You've been taught. She could do it in the north. Don't talk. 
And everyone, you know, and she'd say to somebody, I quite like the look of you. Can yeah. I give you my number? And well, someone sh- would go, sure. Shani, oh. that, Shani that used to be on this, she was a host on it from New Zealand. She said it took about eight months before she realised you can't talk to people on the train. <laughs> like she said, because they get freaked out. They do. But, it's, it's but, an, it is a real English it thing. Is, it's, yeah. it's for real life. Like I'm a northerner. I spent most of my life in the north, north of England. I moved back down here. I'm married to a Londoner. Moved back down to London um, nearly two years ago. And while the removal people are unpacking the van, I'm like to him, let's go walk around our new neighbourhood and say, hi to the neighbours yeah. and we walk around and I'm like hiya and people are like but th- what are you talking to me for and they freeze yeah. Yeah. They run, yeah. and they're re- people are really scared but this is what I'm annoyed by so that there is an <laughs> evil presence of media or whatever the thing is saying be scared that it's not it's just not happening this is why people accept it no you're being told be scared but this I don't why... think it's just, so I, I, I just challenged myself I've done it for four weeks now um, I'd said to my whole church like we've got this new mission statement which is to welcome love and serve all people and we're trying to work out all the different ways as a church in our community we can possibly welcome people love people and serve everybody yeah. in our neighbourhood irrespective of whether they go to church or are ever going to go to church so I'm asking them to do that in their daily lives wherever they work and wherever they are with their neighbours, with their friends in their work, with when they're collecting their pension, whatever. Think about how you can welcome, love and serve all people. And I thought, well, if I'm asking them that, I need to ask me. So I decided this thing, I was just getting some high-vis waistcoats printed with our church on because we were going to go litter-picking around our neighbourhood and everything so that people don't go, why are you doing that? They can see we're from the church yeah. and we're part of this community yeah. and we want to serve and we all want to live in a nice place. And at the same time, I thought, well, I'm going to get this sign printed. And I just randomly had this sign printed that says, hi, I'm Suzanne, your local vicar. Can I help you with anything? Would you like a chat? And I thought, I'm going to get these printed and I'm going to sit outside one morning a week for, for half of June and all of July. And I'm just going to sit there with two chairs and a, a low table with my sign sat on it and one on the railings. Because if our community are really isolated and there's lots of loneliness, I don't know how we reach those people because I don't know who they are. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to say good morning to every single person that walks past. And I'm going to smile at every single person that walks past. And I put it on Twitter and I said, so I'm going to start this next week. This is my bar. I'm setting it low because remember, we're London. I'm going for three smiles and two good mornings. And I was like, let's see how it goes. And so I sat there on my first, and I thought, I'm going to keep a tally on the first week I do it just to see how it is. So I set up at like 10 to 8 so I could get those who were going commuting and those who were dropping the kids off at school. 10 to 8 till 11 o'clock. 84 good mornings, like six highs, five waves, one buenos dias. Um, it was so cool. And 16 chats with different people. Yeah. One guy who sat there for an hour. And I was like, this is awesome. That's and there was nice. me thinking, you know, I had three good mornings even while I was just setting up the tables and chairs. So when I first moved in two years ago, I walked around the street and said hello and good morning to people. And they're looking at me scared. Now I'm sat there with a dog collar on yeah. outside the church. They're now I'm officially allowed to be there. <clears throat> they're not scared. I'm only doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm only saying good morning. But the fear's disappeared. Yeah. Well, why but that's that? that what you've done is you've lifted that illusion from the newspapers and go, actually, it's fine to talk. Well, but they but never forget that thing is there it's telling yeah, people the yeah. other end, be scared. Uh, be scared. Uh, uh, big concepts. But, um, but, but yeah, I think most people, uh, even in London, I mean, most people, you do get that moment like you're on the tube and you go, I know the lights all go off or whatever, or the <laughs> thing catches on fire and you just go turn to the person next to you and go, oh, that was, uh, that was a bit weird. <laughs> and like they get that moment, the second where they just freeze. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God someone's talking to me it's so um, sad. and then so and sad. then most people most most people will go oh no and then get yeah. a conversation with you they'll have they that do. moment of free of freezing and they're like uh and then they're like i suppose they do it, a, the judging mental, is it okay uh, to talk yeah an ocular pat down yeah. maybe <laughs> or, i try think, and talk to everybody i'm always think, looking yeah. for eye contact yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Intense> <laughs> the, the minute the minute somebody looks up 
Yeah. I'm like chatting. I'm in. I'm in yeah. here. I'm in yeah. here. Yeah. So there's a lady, she had, you know, those stretches you put on your ears? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was like a huge yeah, hole. Yeah. And through the hole, she had um, a great big safety pin and another hoop of an earring. And it looked really cool. I've never seen yeah. it before. Oh. And so I said, she was just sat opposite me and she was like looking away. And I said, excuse me, I just want to say your ear looked really cool. And she was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. I really like your shoes. <laughs> Yeah. But that's what I'm, I think that you wanted have, to be nice back, you know. Yeah, when yeah, you're saying what you did, nice I was thinking what, yeah. That, yeah. that's perfect what you've did because I, 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 my whole thing is be the change you want, you know, the Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. It bloody annoys me when I have to see it on somebody's yoga profile when they, 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 they put that up and then the rest of the life is nothing to do with it. But in the darkness, in the lowest points, when you do it, then that's when it matters. So you doing that then, like just that thing you did there that, you know, the, the sun world wasn't on first page, it was on the first page about. That's it. But that's what people have to do. You have to fight back. You have to do you, do. you can't sit there because there's evil pointing the other way, pushing things, making it worse. You have to do stuff back to go, no, it's okay. That's all crap. Look, I'm a human being, a nice human being. This is what and reality people is. Respond. Like yeah. literally, yeah. like two weeks ago, okay. I'm sat there on the street and this lady walks by and she says, Oh, what are you doing? And I just said, Well, there's loads of lonely people and I don't know who they are. Yeah. And some people have no one to even just pass the time of day with. So I thought if I just sit in, she was going, oh, That's so lovely. I'm so glad you're here. I'm just on my way to the shop. She said, yeah. Can I get you anything from uh, the shops? Yeah. And I was like, See how yeah. nice that was? Yeah. I'm going to Twitter. Someone put that on the news. Yeah. I just met a really kind human yeah. being. Someone again, else offered to go and get me a coffee. That's a, that's they don't the need to do that. If, if you're, if you're on the whole, on the whole, if you're nice to people, guess what? They're usually nice. Back. Yeah. And if they're not, then. They can F off. So, so if you like, look up at them to help them because you think they're being sick, are they going to be nice to you on the train or are they going to threaten to stab you in the eyes? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's an extra... I mean, you, we are dealing... Yeah, that's, a, but it, did it put me off? No. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. 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 No. But see, that's that's <laughs> the thing. You do have to fight. You have to do stuff so people go, look, oh, do you know what, right? There was. A, I remember there was a little... Um, Oh, I don't know what you call it, a little story. And it was about two uh, uh, Greek people in the uh, Agora or whatever it was called. And it was um, two politicians. And they said, um, one says to the other one, I was in the, uh, I was here the other day at the market and a guy I was talking to in the robes and it turned out he was a serf, but he'd been able to purchase the robes. And he said, it's absolutely disgusting. Like now you're talking to them like they're us. He said, they should be made to wear like a marker or something so we know who all the serfs are and not, and who we are. And the other guy said to him, no, 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 we don't want to do that because then they'll realise how many of them there are and how few of us there are. <laughs> and I thought, with goodness, it's that sort of thing. You have to go, it's okay. I know you're being told, bombarded with adverts and this, pressurising you from every bloody angle, telling you because it bleeds, it leads. That it's fear. We, we make more money from you being scared. You don't make it from being good. You make it from be making people be scared. But you know, it's you been have to throughout, fight back. throughout history, human beings. Yeah. I think one of our biggest fears is difference. Yeah. I I'm personally obsessed with but it. It's but it's manipulation of that. that but people it's, even without that. media, that's always been there throughout human history. I don't know if you've ever heard of something called the Peace Index. No. So it looks at peaceful societies. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's yeah, got yeah. all of these measures that yeah. you decide whether or not something is a peaceful society. And it's, you know, some of it is whether or not they're at war, but some of it is also the levels of oppression or equality or justice. Yeah. That, that they're managing. And when you look at this peace index, the, the the communities or the countries that are managing to be the most people are the most homogenous. It's where people are most l alike. Yeah. So when it's really difficult and where people are really struggling is when they have to live with people who are different from them. Yeah. But then, it, and it's doable though, but it's when... Oh, it is doable. But like what somebody was saying the other day was talking to, we talk about religion, they say, oh, religion's close, most of the wars and all that. I said, no, it's bollocks. It's one nutter has used religion 
to do that. And they I, use the I, example. I think people of, will find reasons. But that's what to, I mean. To, yeah, they always to separate. Do. But there's I, always I, a hu- is, there's always a know. human being. We're not walking down the road going, oh, "I hate him for no reason." There's always somebody somewhere that's making money from you disliking the other person. Otherwise, no point to it. Whether no, it's really, but, but you have a natural thing. I mean, look, no, but that's very small. Up, we hated small. we hated everyone in in the next village. I mean, and they hated us. Yeah, no, but then, hate to be. They looked like you, but it was just a different village. They were literally like two miles down the road. You know what I mean? And exactly the same. But we oh they came around and we always oh, so mad um, we always uh, create differences yeah separation. we always create and then feel normal and then there was constant rivalry yeah. there i mean it but was yeah, no, no, what that, if we tried to create connection instead <laughs> what if we thought we have to share this planet no, but if you go back to being the ape again it's that's completely fine that's that's the norm the norm is to go oh i don't know what that is let me feel a bit weird for a while it's not oh, i don't know what that is i hate you but you've got other companies, big companies, newspapers going, hate this person, hate them. They're, they're scary. Look at them. Because I'm still waiting. We've, we've gone through the, the Polish and the Roman. I'm just waiting for the next one. I'm just, well, So who's the next one we have to hate? Like, it's bollocks. But you don't go, oh, he's Romanian. Oh, I'm scared of him. You'd go, oh, really? But they go, point, 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 point at you. And you go, oh, yeah, they are taking our money. And blah, blah, blah. So this, but you trace it back. You stand further back and go, why do we do that? Because there's, somebody's making money from it. I, I think, yeah, in that sense, I think that there people are... So it's always been there, because there's always been a king or a queen going, look, hate well, them. Yeah, but there, there are people... We naturally kind of, through ignorance, I suppose, we are... Which is fine. A bit sca- which is, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. if you don't know things, you tend to be a bit yeah. wary of them, whatever. You know, someone gives you a plate of uh, weird food that you don't know what it yeah. is, to be a bit... Yeah. About that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, fun. yeah. Um, but it's it it can then obviously be weaponized. Yeah. Well, this is what you're talking about. Evil is when it's, when it's monetized yes. and then sort of which it is. It's not accidental. Game. Yeah. But um, that's my thing. You have to stand back and go. No, understand. The f- there's a fight inside. It's not just it's just stuff that used to happening. There's somebody's making you scared. Otherwise, you wouldn't be bothered. You just wouldn't be bothered as Romanian people or Polish. But you would not be bothered. It's because somebody's made you feel it, but it happened so slowly. It's the old boiled frog syndrome again. Now you've absorbed it and you don't even know why, but you feel it and you go, well, that's normal. No, it's not normal. You've been trained to feel like that. Take it away. It doesn't matter. You may as well say, well, you've got a beard or you could train you into saying, you know, there's people with the black hair. They're not the same as the people with the yeah, blonde hair. Right you hand, could tra- left hand. Yeah, you could yeah, train that in yeah. and you would well, hate we've, them. We've done that with racism. Like it's literally skin colour, so, yeah. you know, beard colour, hair. It's an absolutely yeah. uh, random nothingness. So you would have to. They did that study, didn't they, with the prisoners? And they got half the group and made half of them yeah, uh, officers. And the, and they started in the United States. Hate, and they, then they did tests afterwards, and they were genuinely UCL? started to think. Oh, I've got a clue. It's a long time. Yeah. But after Very when they did the study afterwards, and they were genuinely thinking, no, they are bad. Like he's that. And go. You, well, that, it turned violent and everything, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. It went. They had to, they had so to my stop point, power went to their heads. It, yeah. My point yeah. is. It, there is a it's not accident you can't go things are well it's this is life you go no you have to firstly you have to accept you're an ape and you're, you're easily manipulated secondly you have got things pointing you that way the problem is you can't make money from being good that much but you have to fight back you've got to do stuff like i said i've given up my life to just do the one thing and my life meaning the moments in my days no matter how hard it was so there's a thing left there and that's just one bloody thing that's just my little thing there i can't do anything else i can only do that thing but we feel so neutered as human beings that people go well it's just the way it is and no what fight back you've got to bloody well fight back most people are lazy 
And most people, yeah, they got a job well. and they, people, they, yeah. it's comfortable and, you know, they... It's called sleepwalking through life, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 yeah it drives me bloody mental. Yeah. But most, most people, yeah, if, they, if they're safe on the way back from the bus stop... And like Andrew with a sweet... The job other, and they can pay for the So Andrew, God forbid it, right? So Andrew, our co-host who I love, by the way, he brought a big bag of sweets in yesterday, right? Full, it couldn't be more sugar in them. And I had a, randomly had an argument with the founder of those sweets over the fact that he was promoting <laughs> them. And I said, well, you know, you, I wouldn't go on too much. You are, I didn't say, oh, here, I'm selling something. Or are you? He kept going on about it. And I said, well, I wouldn't go too much because you are promoting sugar. Can I ask you where those sweets are today? See, everyone's against like, me. That's since, what everyone was digging since in. You're hosting me. Everyone was digging <laughs> in, and I'm sat there. Hospitality's like a real thing. I was sat there with arms crossed, and I wanted one. <laughs> I was going to bring some biscuits. I should have done. Sorry, but he's bloody drives me mental because he will defend them, and I, I'm sat, and then he still calls it moaning. Okay, I am fighting for you. Like, I want those sweets, but I'm choosing not to have them morally. And everyone's going, grabbing them. And I'm sitting here on my own, going, I'm mostly just be whistling in the air, like no one cares, and I'm doing it for you. But anyway, can we get off this? Because it wasn't the purpose I got you on the show. <laughs> why, why am I here? Because like, there's no sweets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, right. So 10 minutes. I wanted to ask. So you're, I just realised the vicar of Dibley, but that's you. You're the vicar of, what was it called? Uh, Hanwell? Well, I'm the vicar of Hanwell. It's not quite the same. Oh, that's great, isn't it? What do you do? I'm the vicar of Hanwell. That's quite oh. good. Sounds good, yeah. <laughs> I've never quite, been there. You know it sounds exotic. I, so. This sounds really patronising, <laughs> right? I'd like that life where I could just sort of, I was gonna, right, whatever I'm going to say is going to be rude. I don't mean it to be. You've got to let my ignorance go. I was going to just say you could sort of just potter around doing good, but I realise that's probably offensive. So, so no, it's not offensive, but it's just an assumption because if you don't know yeah, what I somebody don't, does well, this for a was job, what, this is what the thing then, was. My thing was the, the sort of. I think you're thinking of Superman. Basically. <laughs> I do go for the extremes again. So, it was a... so shall I describe it to you? Because my church. Yeah, tell me is... the basics. So, so you said stuff about you went in. When did? So my church is connected to a YMCA hostel oh, right, with forty-something okay. um, homeless young people living there in supported accommodation who've just come oh, out wow. of prison oh, or geez. just leaving care or or whatever or just fallen on really hard times. So. When you say, you know, you can just potter about doing good. Yeah, it's very <laughs> black and white. But I said, I've got a child's brain. So you're my first blueprint of what we're about to talk about. All right. But just, I know we haven't got long. How, how long we were recording, Karim? Well, I'm 40. <laughs> you're right for 15 minutes. So you've got minus 40 minutes left. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Right. Uh, do you need to be here, by the way? You can go. We like you. You can stay. Arissa, you're right. Yeah, yeah, look, God has spoken, yeah, you sure are. Oh, you want to say, okay. Right, what I wanted to know is what it is like you do and why you decided to do it and all the sort of minute, so when did you, anything, really, were you doing RE at school? I think so. I have a vague memory right, of doing so there's nothing school. related to religion. There's no specific. You were brought like up religious. Ari. I was brought up an atheist. What did you, what happened? Did you watch the Ten Commandments? Like, what was that first thing that popped up that you go, mm. The first thing is, um, is going to university. So yeah. I, I said earlier, I, I was on a council day. I wanted to go to university. Yeah. I didn't know about the different kinds of things that you right. study, for example, because yeah. I didn't know what the jobs were, but I was part of a youth theatre. So I knew that I liked theatre. So I thought, well, I'll just go and study that because it, oh, it's okay. fun. Yeah. And I don't know. So I did theatre studies and communication arts. And so that's what I went off to do. And I was put, I wanted to be, I was a bit of a party girl. So I wanted to be in a house. Um, I wanted to be in halls of residence where all the parties are. And the university <laughs> said, oh, we have put you in a house rather than halls of residence. Yeah. And one with two other girls. And one of them was a Christian. Oh. And I was like, well, 
this is going to be a barrel of laughs, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, I'm in with a Bible basher because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. I'd only really seen Christians on TV. I had a friend at school who often used to tell me I was going to hell because I didn't have Jesus in my heart. And I was yeah, like, right, yeah. so we had this little banter Good and I was, I would always say, great. I don't want to go to heaven if it's full of people like you. Yeah. You know, I can live without judgment. Oh, that was our little thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just go back and forth like that. And so I was put in this house with this Christian. And, and actually, as it turned out, she wasn't anything like my preconceived ideas. And and I, I, I'm i on the receiving end of them now all the time when people meet me. They think you're yeah. going to be a certain thing. They think you're going to be homophobic. And I'm just like, oh, ace, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. You know. So people have all these assumptions yeah. of, of who you are. And I had the same about her. And actually, she was one of the loveliest people up until that point that I'd ever met in my life. Um, on my estate I didn't meet loads of lovely people all yeah. the time and here she was and like me and my mates when we were clubbing if somebody was like coming in in a short skirt we'd be like look at state of her she's wearing a belt you know and she just wasn't anything like that she mm -hmm. wasn't bitchy if somebody was mean to her she wouldn't say anything mean back like she decided to be in control of herself and yeah. she was going to decide what kind of person she was going to be she wasn't going to let other people decide what her responses were yeah. and I just grew in huge respect for her okay. um, and then I had an incident it was like the end of my first term at university and I decided to walk home a different way um, from university and I, I, as I went down this side street there was a little Christian bookshop and I thought oh I've oh, right. this Christian. I've never been into a Christian bookshop before. What's the difference with a Christian bookshop and a normal bookshop? Yeah. What happens that's different? Do they check yeah. a Christian card? At yeah, the, at the entrance, I, I just like... had no idea. I'd been into church like twice in my life before that. Um, someone at school had committed suicide. I'd mm. been to her funeral and my nan had died when I was 14. So I'd been to her funeral and that was it for church. So I thought, I don't know what happens in a Christian bookshop. Yeah. So we'd, I, I thought, I'm a, dare I go in this Christian bookshop? And I thought I, I could feel my heart racing really fast. And I looked around just to make sure no one knew me from university and could see me going into this Christian bookshop <laughs> and then I, I opened the door and there were some little steps going down so I walked down these steps and went in and there was like and I'm looking around thinking what do you do in yeah. a Christian bookshop nobody around nobody right. there just this elderly lady it's almost like it was a normal bookshop it was <laughs> yeah. but I didn't know that you sound like me I, walking and go what do I do yeah I didn't know anything about it and I was just like oh. pretend to shop for books <laughs> yeah <laughs> But my, my housemate the night before and her friend who'd, who'd stayed over in our student living room because we'd been burgled a few times and um, he decided to sleep in our living room and my housemate felt safer because we'd just been burgled and the burglar had walked in while she was in bed into oh, her room. No. Um, so he was staying in the living room, like standing guard and she felt better. So just the night before, I had all these questions about God because they were both Christians and yeah. I didn't really know anything. And then they said, what you need is encouraging in your faith. And I'm like, Wee whatever yeah. and then I went in this bookshop and I thought oh I'm going to go in and look I don't want to talk to her about I don't want them to think I'm really interested in becoming a Christian or anything so I'm going to go and look for one in this Christian bookshop if they've got one of those little books I've caught I know now it's called a tract but I didn't know its name at the time how to become a Christian like I didn't yeah. even know what it meant and so I thought well now I'm here at this bookshop I'm going to walk down and have a look see if they've got one of these tracks I'm looking around on the shelves I can't see anything that looks like it it's all big books and then I see these little tracks and I'm standing there looking at them and then I see somebody else come in the shop out the corner of my eye but I didn't want to look in case it's someone that that's seen me come in and they know me and I'll be really embarrassed like a porn shop <laughs> and, and they walk it down the steps and they come over and they, st and they stop right next to me and I'm like are they looking at me or are they just looking at the shelf at the same things I'm looking at yeah. so I thought I'll subtly just look down at their feet and see which way they're pointing and then I'll know yeah. whether or not they're looking at me and their feet were pointing towards me and so I then just looked up and it was this elderly man standing there and he just started talking about how he'd been a missionary in Africa for the last 19 years, how he'd sold every, he heard God say to him, sell everything you've got, give it all to the poor, only just keep enough for your plane ticket to Africa. Don't worry about where you're going to stay when you get there. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. And he said, just get on this plane and go. 
And then he took this yellowed piece of newspaper out of his pocket, which was an old newspaper with the date of 19 years before and a picture of him looking younger, sat in this flat with this story about him giving everything away. And he said, and, and I've, for the last 19 years, I never went for a day without food and I never went a day without shelter. And I've just recently returned back to this country. And I was visiting a friend who's a doctor, but he was on call in this nearby town and he got called away. So he said, I thought, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? And he said, and then I saw a bus go by saying this town on it, Huddersfield, which is where I was. And he said, I just felt drawn to get on this bus. So I did. And he said, and when I got here, I just felt like I should find the Christian bookshop. And he said, and so I asked for directions and somebody sent me here, which then I discovered was weird because around the corner was a huge big Christian bookshop oh, yeah. and they directed him to this small one yeah. up a side street, which is where I happened to be. And he said, and now I'm here. I know it was you. As soon as I came in, he said, I knew it was you I've come to speak to. I'm here to encourage you in your faith. Oh, it's a bit heavy. Those exact words that my friend yeah. and her, you know, had said the night before. Oh. And I was just like, now I know they're playing a trick on me. Right, they've yeah. seen me come in the oh, shop and they've yeah, sent yeah. some old guy in from their church yeah. to say, go in and say to her, I'm here to encourage you in your faith. And so I started grinning then and I looked up at the door expecting to them go, ha ha yeah, yeah. And there was nobody there. And then I just looked back at him and I was just like frozen to the spot. And he said, would you mind if I pray for you? And I just found myself like nodding. I couldn't speak. God. And he took his hat off and put it on a shelf behind him. And then he just prayed for me. There. Just there in the middle of the shop. No idea what he said, put his hat on, went away. The next thing I could remember was being outside of the shop, having those same feelings with my heart racing, thinking, dare I go in this shop? And um, and I thought, well, I must have already been in the shop because this paper bag was in my hand and inside was this tract, How to Become a Christian. And I thought, I've not nicked it because there's the receipt inside to say that I've been in the shop, but I couldn't remember anything that had happened meeting this man. I, get, I walk all the way back home to our student house and my house, as soon as I open the door, there's my, my housemate, the one who's a Christian. And I say, you never guess what? It all just comes flooding back. Yeah. I say, I've just met an angel because there used to be this program called Highway to Heaven. <laughs> and I used to watch it with my granddad. And this man used to just go around making a difference in people's lives. But he was really an angel, but he just looked like a normal person. So that was my only frame of reference for who this person was that I just met that could possibly say those same words that they'd said the night before. I said, I met this angel. And he said, I'm here to encourage you in your faith, just like you said last night. And she thought I was playing a trick on her. And I was like, no, no, for real life. And then like she told her friend, guess what just happened? She said, just what and they thought we were playing a trick on him because he <laughs> said it the night Circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just like, it was so freaky. And that got me thinking then, like, there's something going on here. Okay, there is right, something yeah. more to life. And so I went back home those Christmas holidays and I lived with my granddad from when I was 14 after my nan died and he wasn't doing well on his own. So I lived with him. And I said, I want you to buy me a Bible for Christmas. Um, I don't really want to talk about it. I just want you to, to buy it for me. So he bought, I didn't, I'd never seen a Bible before, never had a Bible before, hadn't read anything in a Bible before. So he bought me the Bible and I sat on my bed that Christmas um, and said, and prayed for the first time in my life. I didn't know how to pray or what words you say other than things I'd seen on TV. So I said, okay, God, if you're really there, you know, I'm finding all... They're the normal words yeah. from a disbeliever. Like, if you are yeah. real... If, if you're really there, you know I'm finding all of this really hard to believe, but I suppose you've got to be in it to win it. And that was my prayer of becoming a Christian. You've got to be in it you've to win it. You've got to be in it to win it. I've just been watching daytime TVs. <laughs> I meant that was it. That's all I know in my head. And then I knew that on TV, they say this word when they pray, like amen at the end. And oh, I yeah. thought, I don't know what the word means, but that's that's the end of a prayer. So I just said, amen. Nothing happened. Yeah. Literally nothing. No voice from the sky. No shudders all through me. Nothing happened. I just carried on the rest of my Christmas holidays, went back to university, said to my housemate, I'm coming to your church with you on Sunday. I didn't know then that there were different kinds of churches. She was going to a Pentecostal church. I didn't know. I thought they were all just 
there's church, there's mosque, there's temple, you know. So I went to her church. I said, I'm coming to church with you. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want anything ramming down my throat. Don't wait to ask me any questions about it. I'm just coming to your church. And I thought, I need to put myself in a place where I can learn about this because I know nothing about it. And if it's going to be real, then I want to learn about that for myself because I have lots of questions. And then I'd, then obviously I became a Christian. It was a process rather than there being any yeah. blinding light. Um, I thought I'm believing these things that I'm learning. I believe this about human beings. I believe this about, about life and how we're supposed to live and, and care for one another. And then it was towards my final year at university. And I thought, well, now I'm going to have to decide what it is I'm going to do because we're about to leave, you know, in a few months time. And and I went away on this conference and I said to the chaplain at the university, I'm about to go away to something called Spring Harvest, which is loads of Christians all gathering together like a big Christian holiday. And I said, and I really feel like everybody's been saying to me, you'd be a really good vicar. And I was like, I've only been a Christian like two minutes. Aren't you supposed to be a man and old oh, and yeah, have yeah. gone to Sunday school? Yeah. I'm only still learning about these stories. Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't even know that Adam and Eve were a thing. I thought it was a children's story. I didn't yeah. know that they weren't even real. You know, that it was just telling what? the story. Sorry, I've had, whose dreams have I just shattered? Oh. <laughs> so, but I didn't know anything. Father Christmas is cool though, yeah? I mean, when... Yeah, like you're totally down with Father Christmas, cool. you're all right. Um, I didn't know it. I was starting from so far back and I just thought, how could I possibly be a vicar? I don't know anything. And I'm too young. Yeah. And so so he said, well, you're about to go away. Let's just ask, let's pray and just ask God to speak to you about, you know, what's going to be your future. And everybody had kept giving me this verse from the Bible, from John 21. It's one of the gospels. And it kept saying, feed my sheep feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And I was just like, okay, you know, so everyone said you should be a vicar and you should feed the sheep and feed the lambs. So I went away on this, this holiday conference thing. And on the first night, they were all in this, like this huge venue and flashed up on the screen was feed my sheep, feed my, and I was like, okay, that's not even funny. (laughs) Um, So I went back and said to him, look, this was the thing. I think I should probably explore this. And so he arranged for me to meet with somebody called a director of ordinance. Oh yeah. Where was that? That was in, in Huddersfield University. And so I met with this person and then it went from there. Then you start exploring the possibility. What was the university? Is it a religious university? No, I was just doing theatre studies and communication arts. And who was the guy you met or what? A chaplain. They all have their own things, do they? So so there are chaplains in all universities. So I've been ordained this year for 16 years, but um, most of that time I've spent as a chaplain. So um, working with young offenders in prison, working in hospital, like in a university, I was a university chaplain leading the interfaith chaplains. Is that normal in hospital? uh, Universities have their own chaplains? They've all nearly all got them. I suppose just part of the pastoral uh, care. I was in Lakeside a few years ago and they had a little thing there and I was going to walk in and I thought, I feel bad. I think I should walk in. It's mostly to care for people. So, you know, you are, you are still seen, I think even with all the corruption and stuff you see on all, all the news, you're still seen as somebody that people can trust yeah so everything that somebody says to me has to be confidential mm-hmm. that's the only way it can work yeah. they know that they're not going to get judgment they're only going to get sympathy you're going to hear what they're saying and you will be supportive so what did the guy say to you what did you say to him so so the director of ordinance was a woman oh. <laughs> that oh, i met with oh, i let myself down there <laughs> you're doing really well yeah. we'll, do that but we forgive you. Yeah. I'll move past that um well he said i've arranged this meeting for you for this and so i woke up that morning with like before that i was like okay lord i'll go anywhere for you i'll support anybody in the world you want me to support and then i woke up that morning of meeting her with like this complete attack of the in- inadequacies thinking what the heck i'm like suzanne from a council estate how the heck can i be a vicar yeah, what yeah, am i yeah. doing yeah, yeah. and i was just like you know you're 21 years old or whatever you know what, what am Not i even 21 dreaming as about? well you're thinking well i don't know anything I'm just lying. I just, I, yeah, I, don't I just don't on. know this. Yeah. And so I thought I'll just I'll just ring up the university where I'm meeting and say that I'm really ill 
And I thought, oh no, she'll know. God will like tell her I'm yeah, lying yeah. and I'm not really not <laughs> ill. And, and I thought, okay, I'll just go and tell her, I'm sorry, she's wasted her time. So I turned up at this meeting and she stood up and it was all this wise older lady. And she was like, hello, Suzanne, nice to meet you. Held out her hand. And I said, before you say anything, I just want to say, I'm ever so sorry you've had a wasted journey, but I'm too young and I'm too stupid and I just haven't got the right words. That's all I want to say. <laughs> and she said, just nodded all sagely and wisely yeah. and said, um, have a seat. Let's have a chat. <laughs> And then she said, when you get home after this chat, I want you to read a book of the Old Testament. I want you to read Jeremiah chapter one. And I thought, is there even a book in the Bible called Jeremiah? Yeah. Remember, I'm still playing catch yeah, up. I'm yeah. just reading the New Testament at this point. Yeah. I know that there's a big Old Testament with lots of these old stories. I don't really know very much about them. So I, I get home after that meeting and go through my contents page. Jeremiah, is there a book called Jeremiah? And I read Jeremiah chapter one and it's God calling Jeremiah the prophet. And the words are God saying, I want to use you, Jeremiah, in the world. And Jeremiah is saying, oh, no, but Lord, I'm too young and I'm too stupid and I haven't got the right words. And I was like, everyone's oh, like yeah, laughing yeah, at me. Yeah. I'm being mocked by these people. Just your brain refusing to sort of <laughs> yeah. keep things normal. And then, yeah. So so anyway, I said, to, she said, I want you to keep coming back and see me over this next year when you finish university. Because I was sticking around. I was living um, on a council estate in university between these two council estates in Huddersfield. I was living in the flat above the Anglican church and... I was sticking around after university to set up youth clubs and drop-in centres in the cellar of the church for all the young people on the estate because they were forever in and out of young offenders and getting in trouble. And I just thought, they've just not had anyone to believe in them before. I just need to be here for them. So I was sticking around and she said, keep coming back and seeing me. So I'm like one of those really obedient people. And I didn't go back and see her at all that year. And then somebody came to work at the neighbouring church and they said, oh, you know, you'd be such a good vicar, Susanna. I'm like, don't you start. Yeah, yeah. I've been running away from this now <laughs> yeah, yeah. for long enough. And then I thought, okay, probably I should go and see them again and have the conversation. So I did. And, and then you have to see all these different people who interview you. Oh yeah. And then they send you away for like three days with all these other people who are exploring being vicars. And then you're interviewed as part of the process through this whole of the three days. They're watching you the whole time. You have to like write a letter, do these written exercises, do these tests. Yes. Yeah, so, so like what? What are you writing and being watched doing? So some psychometric, you know, personality testing, oh, okay, you're right. doing that. You also have like, you have to chair a discussion so that they can see whether or not you encourage everybody to speak or whether yeah, you hear yeah. all people, you know. Um, so your leadership skills, um, some of that. Um, there's also a pastoral situation. So you have to write a letter. You've become aware of an incident and, you know, now you have to write this letter. How yeah. are you going to respond? Um, and then the interviews, they take three different. So somebody's looking at your academic ability, not whether or not you've got loads of exams and qualifications, but when you're a vicar of a church, anybody could come into your church. So you could have professors in your church. You could have people who've never got any GCSEs in your church. So are you, you ha might have media ringing you up saying, so what's your stance on this? That's just happened in your local area. So they want to know whether or not you can string a sentence together, okay, right, yeah. really. So there's this academic one to make sure your what are your thought processes like? Are you I able suppose to you're think representing and, the church, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So, th so there's all of that first. And then um, there's somebody pushing your buttons. They're testing whether or not you're going to be triggered by anything. So obviously I spend a lot of my time caring for people. So you're with people and supporting people at some of the happiest and the worst times of their life. So you're doing weddings, which is amazing and celebratory time. You're doing baptisms. People are celebrating the birth of their babies. I'm also doing funerals. I've got one coming up this Friday, actually. So, and they can range from elderly people who've lived a good life and died in no pain but I've left devastation with people who've loved them behind, or it might be a baby um, or somebody who's just been killed on their motorbike and they've left all, you know, they're just a, a young guy who's left a wife and yeah. a family behind. So, 
and then you have to go and visit these people and spend time with them and they're they're grieving and in pain so so they're pushing your buttons whether you're going to be triggered by anything at the at the yeah. interview um so that you know they ask your views on stuff on your views on homosexuality your views on people of different faiths your views on people who think different things to you believe different things to you what's been your background you know have you ever been bullied um, oh, have right. there been relationship breakups they just want to know that you've you've lived a bit yeah. you've learned from some experiences you're a reflective person it's like going into space. I was reading about the it's questions they get. These sort of questions. Have you ever been bullied? Have you ever done this? Have you ever been yeah. angry at somebody for no reason? Yeah. You, you ever felt tired yeah. at night? <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you have to memorise the Bible? Well, I Or is that just over time you just sort of pick it up? So it's interesting. There's actually, there must be questions on that. So I once worked in it. Well, some, but yeah, no. you know, it goes without saying that you're sort of reading the Bible and have some knowledge There's quite a lot, it. isn't there? There is a lot. I've not memorised it. And why would I? And I, when I was first a curate, I was working in a church um, in Bradford and somebody knew every verse of the Bible and he was always saying, oh, it says this and such and such. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Like Dot Cotton in uh, East yeah. Is that what she does? She, she's memorised yeah. the Bible. She goes, like it says in the Leviticus <laughs> chapter, and verse I'm, 10. I'm like not good at that. I wasn't good at it then and I'm, yeah. I'm not even good at it now. And I always say, and I used, I used to say then to this person in, in that church, and I was like, I'm not, I'm sort of not interested in how much of it you know. I'm interested in how well you're living the bits that yeah. you do know. So I don't care that I haven't memorized the whole of Leviticus yeah. or Deuteronomy. I want I want people to be able to see from my life that I'm living the bits that I do know. I think that's the bonus. If you were able to reel it off to me, go, how long have you just been reading that book? Like, do you know what I mean? Rather than living out the things that within it. If you just know every first and sec within it, that's a lot of time you've been spent just sitting there reading that. Could you have been than... helping the poor? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and it's I just think. a good memory. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. And yeah. some people have a good memory and some people yeah. don't. It's not necessarily yeah. understanding or comprehension. It, yeah. is, it is just, yeah. I'm not like, looking for a professor. No. I'm looking yeah. for a human, yeah. yeah. So when did it become a job? So, um, so then I, after that selection process, then I, so I was there for three days and then you wait to hear, they all then meet together, the people that have been watching you and interviewing you yeah. and they stay for another day and they have conversations and they pray. Is this really what God is calling this person to? Cause it is a calling. Yeah. It's like, mm. you, you're going to hit some really hard times. Yeah. You're never going to be rich, you know? So I have a number of degrees now, but I'm never going to go off and do earn right, loads yeah. of money with those degrees. Um, I'm going to carry on spending my entire life serving people. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, then, then you wait for the call from your bishop to say whether or not you've been recommended to go and train to, to be ordained. And so I was waiting to hear. And then he rang the bishop to say that I'd got through. And so then you have to go away to college. So Which is where? There are colleges all over oh, the country. Okay, right. um, and so I went and did that. I spent four years training. This is where you're learning the theology. So it's no right. good them testing you when you're first exploring. Because okay, right. yeah, yeah. they're going to train you oh, and teach right. you. And it's more about the personality it, before. Yeah. Okay, so. They're going to check whether or not you, you are the appropriate person. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then you go to college and then you still do three years, as I said before, with as a curate where you're with another vicar. So yeah. you're tra training and learning on the job. And then you're off on your own after that. How long are you with as a curate? Three years. Who was you with? Who was your so, mentor? I was with a guy called Paul at a church in How Bradford. How old was he? How old was he at the time? In his 40s, I think. Well, it's not too old. What was he like? Was, was he a good example? We're still friends now. Is he a good example? Well, we're very so different people. does the vicar people. phone another vicar for like help? Does that work? Um, they can do. We yeah. should do. You're right. supposed to be supportive to your colleagues, you know, because other vicars really are the only people that understand what your job right, is. So yeah, yeah. Most other people are like, you're a right, okay, you, know, right, yeah, yeah. you get one day off a week, for example. It's hard for a vicar to ask somebody that's just, I need some help with something. And you go, what, you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would. I've got a moral so, dilemma. Yeah. 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 If 
you still, I mean, you're, you're still just a person. Yeah, so I'm still right, just yeah, a person. Yeah, yeah. So I have really good friends and most of my friends are not vicars. Right, yeah. Um, so I have really supportive friends. So if I did want to talk something through, I would talk so you still speak to him. a friend. So that yeah. you went through, he, he gave you the thumbs up. Well, it's, sort of, it's not his decision. He sort of oh, writes okay. a report on you at the end, but it's still... He's an assessor, know, okay. The, ...the job of the... And then what happened after that then? And then you can you apply for jobs just like everybody else. Where would you, Where's the job posted? On Craigslist? S- lots of places. <laughs> so there's there's a website called Church Times. It's a newspaper as oh, well, right, yeah, so they yeah. have jobs in there um, on the internet. Yeah. But what's so, the job? What is the job? It doesn't say vicar. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Well, why I suppose why Anglican wouldn't assistant. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. So it'll say vicar of such and such a place. And what do you have to come? But you, your requirement is you need a what certificate of? You need to have, no no certificates. You have to have been ordained. So oh okay right. So you get, you have the dog collar. So that's that's your collar. personality assessment. Then assessment yeah. being around somebody assisting somebody. And then that all together, that comes to, yes, you're, you've been ordained. And at the end, you've spent about six or seven years. Yeah, it's a long time. Um, you know, in training and preparation. And how old are you this when you got become ordained? So I was Roughly. ordained in 2003 and I was born in 1974. Who's got at maths? I'm still struggling. Uh, I think I was... About rough. 30. Okay. Was I about 30? Yeah. 29? Still yeah. young. Still yeah. very young. I was about 29. Yeah. And so, yeah. so you, you applied for a job to be a vicar? So I applied for a job to go from my curate, where I was a church yeah. in Bradford. That's when I went and moved to Lancaster and spent five years as a high school chaplain. Oh, right. Okay. Because I had lots of experience working with young people on the council estate. So what does the word years. chaplain mean? So, vicar or... so it's, you're, you're ordained a priest. Yeah. And oh, then okay. you go and do a different job. So you might be a vicar, which is a priest in a church. Right. So priest or you is might the be main a title. And everything. So a priest is what you're ordained right. as. So vicar. And then a vicar is a job title. Yeah. So currently I'm a vicar, which means I'm, an, I'm a priest in a church. Yeah. But previously I you know, was a priest in a school. So that was a chaplain. I was a priest with the YMCA. but as a chaplain because that's the job description so a chaplain is basically a supportive person wherever you are you'll see them in airports hospitals prisons everywhere you go they are there to be (laughs) supportive people yeah yeah okay so and you you applied for the job in lancashire yeah you got it i did and was it any different to really what you're doing at at other places like the university and all that it would have just been the same sort of job just being somebody later well they're always it's completely different because people are different and your context is different so working in a high school with people who are 11 years old to 18 years old is not going to be the same experience then as working with university students who are from all around the world. It was at Bradford University. It's an international university. And so when you first called vicar, you could be that straight away. You're a vicar when you're working in a church. Oh, okay, right. It's a job, the specific role for a priest. Okay, And that was, was Hanwell your first place? Uh, no. So I've been ordained for 16 years. So I worked in high school as a chaplain yeah. for five years. Yeah. Then I decided to go on a gap year as a, as an adult. Okay. Um, I, you got I lovely s- gold nails, by the way. Thanks. You look very nice. Just, I yeah. I haven't seen gold nails. So I, I saved up and decided I was going to go and work in Peru um, and support um, a children's home for a year and just go and live with the people of Peru. Um, and I didn't want to cost anybody anything. So I'd saved up in my job as a chaplain. Um, just so I could go and live and support myself in Peru for a year. So I went and did that. I just lived with Peruvian people, yeah. um, a family. I spoke no Spanish. I was trying oh, to really? learn Spanish. 
And so there was lots of sign language at first. And now they Did you manage to pick a bit up? And yeah. And by the end, I could speak Spanish and I love Excellent. them. I'm still in touch with them. We're on so Facebook. So who's paying you? That's what I don't say. So you, that you the have to pay. The Church of England. You... Well, I paid for to go myself to Peru. Why? Because I wanted to save the poor. But doesn't that come at doesn't the church look at you're being looked after by them? It's like working for Nike. Nike would send you over. So you Why can are you paying? Well, because you can work for something called CMS. So the org I believe in being accountable. So I didn't want to just go over there. You could be anybody, you know. So right. I don't want to just go over there and work with these um young people in this children's home yeah. without being attached to an organization because I want to be accountable for what right. I'm doing to somebody. So I found I then went looking for organizations. That, that I could be accountable to. And you couldn't not go to the church and say, look, me. can you send me over there? Well, no one's going to pay for that because they're not getting any benefit from it, are they? Yeah, so it's, there is know, an Anglican spreading the word and all that. So there's an Anglican church in Peru. So I work for the Anglican church in England, which is called the Church of England now. Right. But then I went and was accountable to the Anglican church of Peru. Okay, so it's an Very set. poor. Right, okay. They're not going to be able right. to afford to pay anybody anything. Yeah. Um, so I'm from England where I can have a job and save up and then go and do some good. And so you sort of you're to. not attached to them at that point when you go over there the church here no you're now joined to another yeah church. I've okay, gone right, so, so I took you know so I was getting no pension contributions for that year I was working I'm right. not paying any national yeah. insurance you know so there's a big like and how long were you there for a year so it was supposed to just be a year and then it was really good so I just extended it a little bit to 15 months and what happened when you came back what did you do then well I was homeless and jobless obviously and I'd given away all of my stuff so. Um, I came back and, well, I was interviewed actually in a, in a hostel in Ecuador just before I came back for a job um, at a place called Liabi, which was an, it's an international community. So based in London, in Kensington. So it's run by 30 young people from all around the world and they come and do a gap year um, and, and they clean the rooms, they serve food um, and they support a hundred and something young people who are at univer international students who are at universities all over London. Um, so that was all in one big load of houses. Um, and I went to be a chaplain there to support those international students okay. who were far away from home um, and to support those 30 young people who were from all around the world and far from home. So when you hadn't got a church of your own at this point? No. Nope. So when did the church Because I wasn't up? ordained just to work in a church. For me... I thought that was the goal. I don't know. Well, I'm ordained because I want to serve God. Right. And for me, serving God means loving and serving everybody that God loves, which but is I every human being on the planet. I thought the church would be paying you to go and do all these things, and they're not. It's but they don't have the money. The church? Yeah. Is it how much property they own? <laughs> yeah, but everybody has to live in that. So at the minute, I live in a, in a house owned by the Church of England. Oh, right. Because otherwise you'd have no vicars in London with property prices. Where am oh, I going to afford to live know. on my salary? Well, <laughs> like most middle class families, they are asset rich, cash poor. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of like things on paper and they are yeah. worth a lot, but yeah. they don't have a lot of cash. I was yeah. listening to the radio program the other week and just talking about people living in Muswell Hill and the prices have just gone mad. You know, forget everyone where it was, Muswell Hill has gone really high. And they're saying, I can't afford to, to put my heating on. <laughs> I've inherited this house. It doesn't mean I'm rich. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. afford the money yeah. to yeah. sell the that's, that's what the Church of England's yeah. like. Oh, I feel a bit bad for you now. I was hoping like they <laughs> no. look after you. Well, they, they try their best to look after me, but it was my choice. I chose to go away and live in Peru and then come back and have no job. That was my it choice. It never pays to be good. That's what pays, that's But it, what it does me. pay to be good. Like, my life couldn't have been more privileged. Like, seriously, yeah, I wouldn't I do anything it else. It feels unjust that you're not being looked after while doing the good. 
But I, yeah. but so I feel like the, I was. Like, my life is enriched by all of yeah, those, those no, kids that I met in that children's yeah. home. The family that I lived with, like, the hospitality they gave to me living in their house. Like, they were amazing people. So it was Hanwell your first church? So I worked with what's in Bradford with what's called a fresh expression of church. Yeah. So that's like a church that's not traditional. So when you walk around London, you'll see lots of traditional looking churches, um, Church of England churches. Well, mine was a bit more of a radical kind of church. So it's a bunch of people that don't meet in a church that looks like a church and sit on pews. They were into social justice and activism, going on demonstrations and letter writing campaigns, things like that. So, and they meet without me standing at the front and leading a service like I am the fount of all knowledge. So we'll have a Bible reading, which anyone will read. And then we have discussion. So we learn through dialogue because the idea is everyone has something to contribute to how they read this particular passage. Just because I'm a vicar doesn't mean God only wants to speak through me about how I interpret the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, I suppose everybody's brain takes see something else in a sentence. Absolutely. Don't they? Yeah. Um, so what happened then? When, so when have you gone to the Hanwell thing? So I've been there for for nearly two years. What, two years in what, September. How, how did that come about? When they said, "Well, I that's your place." I applied for the job. So, at that no, place. I applied for the job at yeah. that place. Yeah. And what happened? Did you have an interview? Or I had you... an interview. There were two of us there. There was me and one other guy. And who's interviewing um, you? So a whole panel of people. So two people from the church itself. Yeah. Somebody from the YMCA. Um, or was there two two people from the YMCA? Actually? But it's not physically attached to a YMCA. It is. Yeah. So there well, was Hanwell, a big. Saint, what is it? Saint, it's Saint Christopher's in Hanwell. So okay. there used to be one big old church on the site that was right. falling yeah, down. Yeah, I was going to say because it looks like a church. No. So they knocked it down. Right. The old church and the vicarage, and in those grounds instead, it's only like sixteen years ago, two thousand and three. They built a church with a YMCA all attached. So we walk through one door into the reception area. If I walk through that door, I'm walking into the hostel. If I walk through this door, I'm walking into the church. It is physically connected. And what was your first day? Like, what do you do? Are you planning events and things? My first day was funny, actually. My first Sunday in Hanwell two years ago was like the end of September. And it's the Ealing Half Marathon. And so my church acts as a base. So I opened up at like seven o'clock in the morning or wherever it was, because all the volunteers who marshaled the route of Ealing Half Marathon were using our church as a base. They have their breakfast there and they have their briefing. And then a bunch of volunteers from church come chopping up oranges. um, And then we stand out for the race at the side of the road and we're giving out oranges to everybody. All the runners running by and we're cheering them on and we're a toilet stop. So we're making sure the doors are open for everyone to to have a break when they're running. Yeah. So that was my first Sunday. And they said, and it runs on until such and such a time. So can your service be half an hour later? So I had to move my service. We didn't have time for hymns in it or anything. It was just like a straight service. So we spent. I spent my first Sunday serving the community. And I was like, this is going to be ace. So are you, <laughs> That's perfect. In, are you, who's in charge of that church? Is that you? Yeah. You're the one with the keys that opens up in the I'm morning. I'm the vicar. Yeah. So some like, old school questions I've got. Like, Go for you it. know, like... When when are they open? I've always wondered, can I go into a church and sit down? So like now it's different. It depends where they are. So right, so okay. some people um, have their church doors open all the time and that's the ideal. If they're open, can you go in if they're locked? Is yes. that the way it works? Yeah. Okay, right. But some have to be locked just for security. Right. So oh, if yes, you leave right. a church open yeah, yeah, yeah. and then someone's ripped out your entire yeah, church right, yeah. or, or smashed the place up. And we do have, we still have that all the time. People oh, go into God. church and think steal stuff that. or trash yeah. it. You think that, no, I'm not doing that. No way. You're going to go to hell for that. For stealing from them. Yeah. I mean, as I say, there's got to be some rules, you know. So another church <laughs> I was in, I would find like, we found like somebody crushed up loads of glass, you know, from those strip lights. 
They crushed it all up, yeah. all the glass, and they sprinkled it throughout the entire car park all around the building. And I was like, that's not accidentally dropping a bottle. No. They smashed it all around. What's that supposed to represent? Is that it's trying Menace. to mess with the tires yeah. or something? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. they burst all the tires. So there was human poo on the doorstep. That's about right. Yeah. Um, I would pick up drug needles all yeah. the time. So some people have to lock their churches for obvious reasons to keep oh, it. Because it's supposed people. to be... I, I couldn't think of any worse place, any worse place than doing dope than in a church. <laughs> I think that would make me... <laughs> it would kill your mood. It kill would, your it mood. Would, I think that would harsh my buzz. I feel. <laughs> There's a radio presenter on TV the other day and he's um atheist. He said, but he realised that believing in a God works he said if you, if you get them young enough and just take them to school he said they always grow up thinking okay maybe I don't believe in it but there might be something so I'm just, it's like having a long-term babysitter <laughs> there might be somebody watching me but you have to get them when they're young and just Hedge make, your bets. yeah and we go well look, mm. yeah, might not um so you can't just walk into a church okay so are you at christmas what happens at christmas christmas eve christmas day you open so yeah so we christmas have day you work. it's a big day christmas yeah, yeah it's really christmas important. is kind of like the birth of jesus but they don't get people going to church on christmas do they watch yeah, they tv do. yeah, yeah. <laughs> do they really yeah yeah. I thought Christmas Eve was the big day. They, both. Both, yeah. So it depends on, on your family circumstances. So people with children often, they'll come to Christmas Day. They won't come to the midnight mass service because the kids are in bed. So it's what's Christmas the midnight Eve. mass? I've heard of that. So it's about, it starts at like half 11. And, and sometimes people come after the pub and they'll come into church. So that's when most people come go on. to church. Come on, you're going to go to the pub and then go to the church. Yeah, because those who go once a year for Christmas, because they, because that's like the you meaning of Christmas. You can't go in there pissed though, can you? The of course church. they can. Why can't they? Everybody is, is welcome. Or or no, it's not. Something. Everyone's welcome to come to church anytime, whatever state they're in. So, so they come. No on way, Christmas I'm not having that. You must be this sober to enter. Can we just give you the breathalyzer yeah. right now? Yeah. Can you walk night... along this yeah. straight line? You can't if you get... wobble, you're out. <laughs> you can't get to a nightclub drunk. Why can you? The, 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 the lack of guilt that annoys me. You'd quite happily go into a church knowing you're drunk. You wouldn't feel guilty. No, you, you might not even know that you. are you know, All right, and there so, are different kinds of drunk, and right, okay. and it's the church. It feels disrespectful, though. Yeah, but you know, like like Jesus. I don't know how much you know about Jesus. Nothing from the well. Like he was always hanging out with people. They were always accusing him. The religious authorities kept saying, "Why are you hanging out with like drunkards and sinners?" Yeah. Oh, because okay, right. So you're not. These are the people. people that is hanging out with and spending his time. It's disrespectful with. backwards, though. It's a two way thing, and they're not being disrespectful. Can you wear anything in the church? Yeah, within reason. Trainers. Yeah. I don't know. I'm There's totally not awesome. really a dress code. There's no, no dress respectful. code. You've got to be like, I thought, I'm not worried, you don't have to wear a suit, but you've got to dress up like you're being respectful. So Some... people do for christenings, you know, for people yeah, who are not yeah, used yeah, to going yeah. to church, then they, they dress up because they think you're supposed to dress up to go to church. So people will dress up for a wedding because it's, yeah, like, of course, yeah, it's a wedding but, in church. But to just go into a church to sing But on a normal or... Sunday or whatever, people just like rock up in their whatever yeah. they're wearing. They people, just wear these clothes. The people did dress up a bit. I remember my local church people did dress up a little bit. Oh, I just they? used to turn yeah. up in like t-shirt and like jeans and like people would put on a little suit and a yeah, bloody right. And, Not in my church. And I, well, <laughs> so uh, so what, what time do you open on Christmas you? Day? So, well, you, you've done the service from half past 11 to about half past 12. Which is what? What's the service? Half past midnight. Sing hymns. So, yeah. So you sing some hymns, you say some words, you say some prayers. Yeah. Usually pray for the world and people who are ill, people who... Christmas is a really difficult time for quite a lot of people, yeah. even if you're not religious, because people are thinking of their families. You know, all of the... We were talking about advertising earlier. Everything coming at you is, you should be spending your Christmas yeah. with people that you love. Some people don't have anyone who loves them or yeah. people that they love, or they've been bereaved in that year. And actually, it's really difficult at Christmas. So you, you're always praying for right. those who've had a difficult year, for yeah. those who are bereaved, anywhere that there's war, anywhere in the world. So, you know, you're, you're, you're doing that in the service. 
there'll be a sermon. So you'll give a message um, about what's the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. Um, and and then you have some communion where you break bread like Jesus did at the Last Supper. Um, he said, every time you meet together, break the bread and drink the wine and remember me. And remember that's the that blood. Is that the thing? The blood, yeah. The wine. So the wine is supposed to be the blood and the bread re- represents the, the body. And they actually eat bread. It's not like a biscuit or something. So we have wafers. Some churches do have bread. <laughs> yeah. But we have we have individual wafers. Right. So you couldn't do like chocolate digestives. That'd be disrespectful. I did want to go to a church that had chocolate buttons for the children. So they didn't admit oh, right, children okay. to communion. Yeah. yeah. They didn't let them have the, the wafer or the bread, but they gave them a cho- chocolate So button. you do that and that closes at what, one o'clock? So then we do that from half past 11 till half past 12. And then everybody goes home and goes to sleep yeah. because Santa's nearly here. You yeah. can hear the sleigh bells when you're on oh, your way Christmas home. Eve. Christmas right, Eve. Yeah. And then I wake up Christmas morning. Uh, so I've had a few hours sleep after I've locked the church. Then you wake up Christmas morning and you get ready. You might have a service at like 10 o'clock. But what, what time did you close Christmas Eve? Well, by the time I've tidied up after everybody's gone. So they've all left at like half 12. So you've got and to tidy, you've got to tidy got a cleaner. up. No. So everybody's tidied. I, I'm tidying up. So I might lock up about one o'clock. And then I go home, go to bed, get up early, ready One to... One o'clock in the afternoon? In the morning. In the morning. This is midnight After mass. the midnight service. This is after midnight Yeah, so I was, I was, something jumped there. So through the day, you had a sermon and whatever. So this service has been through the night. It's the midnight mass. So oh, from the, half, this past is 11, midnight. Okay. Oh, okay. Hours, right. half past 11. Half past 11 until Oh, this half is the half 11 midnight. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, right, okay. And then I finished tidying up at 1am. And why do you do it? Why is it so late? Why is it not midnight mass? Why don't they do it through the day? Because you're ushering in the, so you, you, the Christmas day, aren't you? Yeah, and you try oh, right, and time okay. it so you're breaking the bread and doing communion oh, and right. remembering Jesus about 12 o'clock right. as yeah. it's the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, okay, and the, right. Then you're celebrating. Oh, it's the birth. Oh, because okay. it's literally, yeah, you're celebrating yeah, the, the, birth, the coming literally of that the time. day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've woken up, you've gone to sleep. What? How long do you get to sleep? So I might be asleep by half one. But, yeah. And then I'll get up again, ready to do the service at 10 o'clock. And then often it's families that come to that. So yeah. they've got, obviously their kids have woken up early. They've opened some of the presents and then mm. they bring them to church. And so it's a more family friendly service. So it's, you know, there's not a big sermon and things, you know, and it's, a, it it's like bring a present. Everyone bring a present to church and do a show and tell. And, and how, how do got. you know they're Christians? Like how do you? Couldn't care less. Does it matter? I yeah. thought that, but you it, uh, I, I, I always thought it was sort of everyone was welcome. You Everybody's know, yeah. allowed to go to but church. what if you were like a Jewish or something? Are you allowed to go into the church? Yeah, of course. Oh, I thought you had to be a Christian to go into no, the church. No, I mean, you can sit and uh, sit back. I had a H- and... Hindu friend who used to go to church at Christmas. Okay, so it's not to so... To support his local church. Oh, right. So what, he doesn't what do you... have to believe it all. So what do you do when the families and all that turn up Christmas Day? Do you, do you read from the Bible? So we have a Bible reading, probably about the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Um, we do a nativity as as well as part of our service. So we'll get everybody joining in. Everyone gets dressed up in something as part of the service. Oh, that's great, and yeah. we've got all the costumes. So <laughs> and we just go, who wants to be King Herod? And you know, who wants to be Mary and Joseph? And what about the play? The, the, do do a little play? Or yeah, the nativity. Yeah, nativity. nativity. Yeah, it's called nativity. nativity. I think yeah. I did a nativity play. I can't remember. I think it was an old man. I was Joseph, I think. <gasps> I was Mary. Oh, and Joseph was sick all down me. Distinctive <laughs> memory. Okay. So, <laughs> Your first Christmas day, did you feel more of a vicar after you'd done that one or not? I have no idea. I can't remember it. (laughs) No, not that long ago. Well, 16 years. Yeah. It's not a big deal though. I suppose, no, you're just doing the, you've been doing it for so long. I thought, no, I thought, I thought like when you get your first church, that's like your first big gig. Sort of, like, <laughs> no. like all of it's important. All of yeah, the jobs that's are important. You've been doing the same sort of yeah, thing for a long time. Yeah, it's not that it's your first church. It's just like, okay, this is another bunch of people. So when you're a parish priest in the Church of England 
I'm not the vicar just of the people who go to that right, church. Okay. I'm a parish priest. And so when I oh, have a, parish, my right, service, yeah. when like my welcome service at the church, the bishop does it and all of that. And I am, I am welcome to the parish right, yeah. and I'm given what's called okay. a cure of souls. So my responsibility, the people I should be praying and caring for are everybody who lives in the boundaries right, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. and it's oh, drawn an for me on a map. There's right. actual, the whole of the church of England has split up the whole country into these parish boundaries. And so I have the whole people who live all around St. Christopher's Church in Hanwell. And they're the people that I need to care for. Um, you, um, when do you, what do you call this? We had discussions about this before you turned it's up. It's called a clerical collar. Clerical collar. Yeah. I, I did Google it, yeah. For um, short <laughs> dog collar. What, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll so I that. always yeah. call it a dog collar. Yeah. When, that and then people go, so bad now when you say when you say it. That, that, that is disrespectful. Because <laughs> I want to know specific. Yeah, because I was like, I'm sure that's not the that's official term. Called, yeah. for no, it. it's called no. a clerical when collar. When does that first get yeah. given? That's like your gun and your badge as a police officer. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what you have at the end of your your time at theological college. So at the end of your theology training, when you're first ordained, you're ordained a deacon for a year. Yeah. And that's like you're you a probationer. Oh, okay. And then so you get it then. Uh-huh. You wear it then. I think that's too early. I think you shouldn't get it then. I think when you get your first church, no, because you do other stuff. But anyway. what if you, you never work stuff? in a church? Yeah. 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 Lots of people spend their entire ministry the as a chaplain. Yeah. And what did, how did you feel when you first put it on the, the first time it went round your throat? What did you feel? I cried. Yeah. Oh. Because I was just like, that's awful. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, for real life. So because I'd, before I was ordained, I'd work, been working as a volunteer um, at this other church and I was sat in the in the cafe of this church one day chatting to this person who was saying oh Suzanne like my life's just awful right now I'm going through this I'm going through that with my family and she was just sharing all of this awful stuff she was going through and I was just like oh I'm so sorry this sounds terrible and then the vicar walked through the cafe and he was like all right such and such to yeah. her how are you doing she was like oh yeah I'm great and I was like <laughs> and I was like what was that all about <laughs> and she was like oh well you wouldn't tell them the truth would you and I was just like wow that's what people are going to be like with me yeah. no one's going to be real anymore people are going to fake it like they think that every, everything about their life yeah, has to be that's perfect got a, it's like with being a celebrity once you got that that everything changes warps around you I was mortified so now I mean that's not the case thankfully but I no. if you're real with other people yeah. and you're real about your your own struggle and about the realities of life then people don't have to pretend But do you ever it's like is that like <laughs> Where a celebrity like puts on glasses and a baseball cap, do you take off the dog collar and just walk around normally? <laughs> like like no, on my day off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you go, oh, I can relax Totally now. blending in. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I, I hold hands with my husband on my day off when we're walking down the street, but I won't while I'm wearing my dog collar. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it freaks people alike. Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah. Why are you holding I didn't know whether to ask you if you could date or not, so I'm glad you said husband early on. So Church of England, you're all, everyone's allowed to get married. So it's a Roman Catholic church yeah. Yeah, where, yeah, where they saying. have to be celibate, but I couldn't be ordained in the Roman Catholic Church because they don't have women. No. But oh, we won't right. talk about oh, that. Oh, they still haven't got it, have they? No. no. So in who's the Church the, of England, Who's the king that held back the water? Uh, Canute, but yeah. he didn't. Oh, he didn't. What was the... He was doing it to prove... <laughs> That he couldn't. Everyone said that he was a god and that he could do god. So it's not a sign acts. of arrogance. It's not. So that. he was. He's been completely misquoted. The oh, King right. Canute thing, and he actually went to the water to show. Look, I am not a god. I am mere. Just a I, am a, I am a king. Did I am he a die? Person. No, because he was like, look, I have no powers. I oh. can't. Turn, I can't turn the water back. But it's but cold. It's been, yeah, yeah. It's bloody freezing. It's Norway. Uh, I'm off. Oh, no I'm going back inside. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because uh, yeah, Myanmar lied. Lied. Like that's what annoying that Chinese whispers that, that it got twisted. We got the, the got quote's so been careful. taken out of context. But it's, it's the opposite. They're saying yeah. hubris, and it yeah. wasn't. It's not even like they slightly got it wrong. You go, no, no, I'm it's not that. Completely I'm, opposite. He's the trying opposite. to. He's trying to prove that he's a. Yeah, he's not arrogant. So, how long have you been married for? So sure. I've been married for, are we seven years this time? I won't ask his name, but what is it? What does he do for a living? 
So he does two things. So yeah. he's a music producer okay. Um, Ooh, okay. in a home studio. So that's what he does as his main job, but it doesn't earn him any money. So he's not like a famous music producer, um, but that's what he loves to do. And so we're fine with that because we don't need loads of money to yeah. live. There's only two of us. And um, so we mostly just live on my stipend, which is what a salary is called if you're a vicar. And a stipend. A stipend. So you're basically, you're not paid a salary. You're paid not to do another job. Um, because the Church of England would go bankrupt because if, if you were an employee, like if you were classed as an employee, you'd have to get minimum wage. And when we work... Oh, uh, what? So we work six days a week and you're basically on call 24 hours a day should anybody need you. And so if they had to pay you six days a week, 24 hours a day at London living wage, uh, like they couldn't afford to well, do that. Well, to do so, the job that you do... It's not like you're not choosing to... You, but they just that, couldn't afford it. That so, makes me angry. That really makes me angry. No, so you get a stipend, which is really good. So it frees you up to, to serve God and love people. Yeah, but you're not That's being looked after. You should be really happy. I, I live in a house where I don't pay rent. I mean, we're okay, sitting well, here in London right now where people have to live in one room. But if you leave... Like, you're out the door. You're renting, basically. Yeah, that's what happens to lots of people. But where do you plan for the future then? Like, what's your goal? What do you do for the future? It's not like this is going to be mine in 20 years, the house. No, it belongs to the church. And they just, that's it? That's no, it. well, they do a deal with people when they retire. So they'll, they'll sometimes, if you say, say I wanted to retire to, I don't know, Leeds. Yeah. Then they'll go into partnership with you where they own the house and you just pay them like a minimal rent, but they're never going to kick you out in your entire You're lifetime. You're never going to be kicked out. They won't oh, kick you okay. out. So they do care for you. And what about yeah. going on holidays or buying a car or all that? Like, if you've got so money I to... love going on holiday. Yeah. Like I, I'm a, an obsessive <laughs> traveller and it's because I love difference. Right. So I love to go. I've, I've Just my recent holiday, we just came back from Cuba and Mexico. But you can't oh, sort of okay. give the receipt to the church. No. So you're always weighing out yourself still whenever you do anything. So the thing is, like, if you live, it's all about choices, like you were saying before. So I can choose to live on beans and simple yeah, food, know, not go to the cinema, not more. have a fancy car, not go and stay in fancy hotels. It's the thing we keep coming back to. Travel. The police, the, the, they should be on three times the way. You should do that, not because of the money, but part of it is you get great money when you do it. That should be part of it. Same with the church. You should be getting looked after because you have chosen to do those things and work all this out and do that. And it's going, no, you get less. But you are looked after. Like, money's not everything, is it? No, I know. Like, if just... I was paid loads of money, like, then people wouldn't be really kind. So instead, you know, I have the loveliest church in the world. Like, I, I, I felt like it was fantasy church when I arrived. So I was there in September. It took me till Christmas to stop filling up with tears every time I looked at them from the altar on a Sunday morning because they are literally, it's a, it's a really small community church on a, on a housing estate yeah. um, in West London. So there's like 30-something people on a Sunday morning. And we were down to like 20 something this morning because of holidays. And and they're so kind. Yeah. Like they, they just can't do enough for me. So there's ladies just coming this morning. I've got two pet bunny rabbits that we've got since like January. She comes in with a little clear plastic bag. Here's, here's some food for the rabbits. She's picked some dandelion leaves on her way to church. And here's some baking for you. And she's baked me six little cupcakes. Yeah. Now, if I was mega rich because the church are giving me loads of money because I'm doing this job, then people wouldn't feel like they, they could yeah, show you I want to know you're kindness. happy. That's what I know. I want to know. And I know you say you are. Literally, I, I you, love you seem, my job. You seem very happy. So. <laughs> I wouldn't do any other job in all the world. Do you, do you raise, have to raise money to 
keep the roof, you know, wherever I've seen on TV. So lots of churches do. Yeah. And and to be honest, having worked in northern churches mm-hmm. and worked in now London churches, it's much more difficult in the north. Um, there's not as much money about. Right, and okay, so yeah. it, there are always huge campaigns because they've got these really old churches to look after, which are part of our national heritage, aren't mm, they? The yeah. architecture, mm. really old buildings. We want to preserve them. Um but a church of 30, 40, 50 elderly ladies and elderly men on their pensions, how are they going to raise like a million pounds to fix a roof? You yeah. know, it's going to be really hard for them. I am so lucky being in a church that's only 13 years old. We don't have to worry right, about yeah, the roof collapsing yeah, yeah. and, you know. The so wiring I can con- or the heating. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. So I literally get to spend most of my time concentrating on caring about the people who live around. And what, what was the other thing you, that you said your husband does? It's a music so, yeah. And two days a week, um, he works in, a, in a, a residential home for adults with learning difficulties. So there's like eight adults that live there and he's mm. one of their carers. So uh. he goes and supports them. because. Is there any sort of music going on in your church? Music. Yeah. So we have zero musicians. We don't have an organ or anything like that, so we sing to CDs. We are musically challenged. But what are you singing? What? What? what, what we're, is... we're singing songs, hymns. Yeah, hymns oh, okay. and songs. And it's a shame you don't have an organ. Or, or anyone that will or play stuff for you. But like I said, it's small community church, and and this is where church is different. I I get a little bit frustrated. Let's be honest with 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 the churches how they don't spread themselves around. There's something called consumer Christianity, as I see it, and that's when. Christians decide to go to a church that is full of people like them or there's loads of things going on and the worship's all lively and they've got a drummer and they've got guitarists and they've got all of this and they're going to all pile in that shit and they've got a Starbucks franchise upstairs, you know, and they go there and they might travel from the other side of London or any town to get there. And I'm like, okay, I'm just on a housing estate with 30 people. We're quite a poor church, really. We don't have musicians. What about if instead people were servant-hearted about where they went to church. Instead of going, I'm going to go where I get something because I like this kind of worship, so I'm going to go to church for me. What about if they went to church to give, you know, where instead they thought, I want to serve, so I'm going to go to this church where there's lots of elderly people and they can't maybe run a Sunday school and I'm going to volunteer and help to run a Sunday school or I'm going to help to go litter picking or door knocking or supporting the lonely in that community or whatever. I would love church to look more like that. So I do get a bit, I had just heard recently that there is a guy who lives in our parish and um, he's a musician. And I just heard through another friend of mine, she said, oh yeah, he goes to my church. And I'm like, that's like the other side of London. (laughs) Goes over there to play music and you've got three people to play the keyboard and we have nobody. Why doesn't he come here? What would you like to have that you can't have? Like, is there anything, well, music, music, more music? Yeah. So a few people have said, wouldn't it be great if we could do more with our music? And I'm like... Yes. Podcast? You do a podcast. Yeah. Doesn't cost much, no? <laughs> what would you do? What well, the, th- the thing is, all those things, it just takes time, doesn't it? And and like there's limited amounts of time right, okay. that you have to give to anything when I'm just one person. Yeah. I don't have a cure. I don't have an assistant. Yeah, well, we don't like have an administrator. backing you up and you could just call them and get stuff done and musical instruments and all that. It's not. They've sort of left you on your own. But that is how it works. Yeah, and no, I'm annoyed that... Like no, every, every individual church has to like... You know, do their own thing in oh, their so own context. So, what's your plan for the future? Then, is there any goals or something coming up? In or? terms of the church, or in or my entire life? I, I, I was thinking with the church. I was uh, that was a question I was going to ask. Where do you, what do you see uh, the yeah the role of the church in the future? So, I I would love it just to look like what Jesus did. So, when he walked around, he challenged the hypocrisy of religious leaders. He challenged injustice everywhere he saw it. Yeah. 
Um, I'd like to see the church to do that all the time. And mm. it's a bit of a controversial thing because we are what's called the established church in this country, the Church of England. Yeah. Um, that means sometimes I think our leaders can can feel a bit more compromised in terms of whether you challenge government, whether you challenge big business, whether you challenge, you know, just the culture of the whole society. It's um, certainly, certainly headline news when the ABC comes out and talks about politics or yeah. or current affairs or um e- economics or, you know it certainly is a controversial and people uh, tell him to shut up yeah. you know if you if you look at his twitter or, or facebook or whatever you know if he says something that i think is really good where he's saying big businesses ought to be paying the ta- proper taxes you know quite reasonable statements yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme <laughs> because of because we have whole society that we want to support we have a national health service we have a benefit yeah. system that is is about caring for the poorest and the you know, people who are disabled and not able to work, should we not as a, as a society be enabling them to live as full of life as they possibly can? And that means we all should be contributing mm-hmm. to that. So when the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, does say stuff, it's ace. You read the comments when he says something and literally people are ripping him apart. And and often it's it's not Christians, it's people going, well, why don't you sort out the corruption in the church? Or why don't you sell all your buildings and all the money you have? And I'm like, okay, you don't understand how the buildings work. <laughs> you know, why don't you sort out your priests who have, you know, we've discovered on the news are paedophiles you know just they just slate him and lots of people say why don't you stay away from politics and just talk about religion and i'm just like okay wait they don't know jesus yeah. like mr politics constantly speaking truth to power that's who jesus was well yeah and the ethics ethics and politics yeah, and, and yeah. morality are all completely unseparated so still not good, not good, good, they good and evil we're still yeah. fighting yeah. 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 that's yeah. why i say that's why it all comes back to yeah. you you've got to fight against it though so yeah, i I, I wouldn't I, I want the church to continue not to be silent um, when we are oppressing people and when mm. when there is injustice. Mm. And I would like even to be self-critical within our own Church of England, I would like to see more equality in terms of in terms of gender. Um, there's a big push, especially in London Diocese in this area, to get more people from BME um, groups okay. also who to be ordained in leadership because unless What's BME? Black and minority ethnic. Oh. So if people don't see people who are like them up yeah. there in leadership, then they don't know that that that's accessible and open to yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and so we're, they're really trying to push that in London diocese and get more and more people from, from more diverse communities yeah. to be represented up there. Cause it's not like God's not calling them or that they're not able. So you don't have like a PR person or anything like that. Well, I don't, but you know, the church of England probably do. No, but nobody you can call on. You say, like, I've got an idea. I want to do something. You call them up. No, you just randomly do it. So like my sitting in the street, I just put on Twitter, I am going to be sitting in the street (laughs) to listen to people who are lonely in my community. But it sounds like you're doing a lot and nobody's sort of helping you out. It can be lonely, but leadership is lonely and, you know, and it can be freaky. So when I put that tweet up and then like normally like about two people like my tweets and maybe one personal comment, if I'm really lucky, once a month. And, And then all of a sudden, like... It was going like, 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 retweet, retweet, retweet. And like people in Canada and Australia and the United States. And then 1,200 people are liking my tweet. And I, I could feel myself, like my heart was racing. And I was like, this is really freaking me out now. This is, must be what it's like to come out of Love Island or Big Brother. And, <laughs> yeah. and, every, and you know, and when they struggle with anxiety, I can see why that is. Because it was just like, as if you felt, I felt really exposed. Right. Everybody knows what I'm doing. Yeah, Everyone yeah. knows I'm going to be sat in the street. Yeah. Like, this is really freaky. Yeah. I just thought it might be my normal two people thanks mom for liking my dream so you were um at the church today i was and you came straight over here thank you very much uh, so what do you do with the rest of your sunday do you just relax like a normal person no i still work on sundays it's a working day so my one day off is friday 
Okay. I work on Sunday. What's this working day for you? So what do you do today yeah. now when you go back? Look, I'm here working with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So right this is work, obviously. This is, yes. this is work. Yes. Yeah, spreading the spreading word. Spreading the word, yeah. 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 So what do you have? Do you, you physically have to do something? You're like you're not late. I'm not late for anything. Oh, I, book, okay. I booked you in. Oh, okay. Cool. That's professional. Yeah. Um, oh, well, we'll knock it on the head there because I think this is the longest podcast. Karim's been <laughs> shifting around in his seat for about half an hour. I haven't to go to the loo yet. So He's like, quite strange. Shush with your rubbish. He's going in the garden. Um... <laughs> oh, and then I've got you. I don't know what else to ask you. So, um, uh, uh, you just said to cut it. Whoa. Sorry. Sorry to Ooh. beat up your microphone. Sorry. If this is your longest podcast ever, it's okay to go. I don't want to ask you anything else. No, there's <laughs> like a million things you want to ask. I think, no, yeah. I've got, we've, got, we've got to keep it. Um, I think we're probably going to have you on again. Um, if you, <laughs> if you, if you want. If you're yeah, yeah. Are you going to lock the door so I can't leave? Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> um, so what is it you want to do in the upcoming future? Is there anything you want to do? Or you look at music, more music, you want music? In, in my church, I, I just, it's not even... Do you take even, donations? Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't just want to serve the church. Like I said, we want to serve the entire community. Yeah, okay, we have right, 41 yeah. people living in supported accommodation yeah. in our building. Right. You know, so oh, even right, when okay, they yeah. find, one of the problems is even if they find a private rented room, so they've got a bit more stability and a lot li not living in a YMCA, Say they find a room for £600 a month. Somebody wants £600 deposit up front yeah. as well. You know, so I, I would like us to continue as a church working for more social justice, yeah. supporting everybody who lives in our local community, for us to get to a place where nobody feels lonely. And yeah. if they are, it's from choice. You know, it's not because of lack yeah, of opportunity yeah. of anyone to be there for them. Yeah. Um, so I, I would just like, and I would love it if we could so encourage people that they know that they are precious I find like one of one of the big problems just in life and meeting people is that people don't believe in themselves. Yeah. They don't know that they're hugely precious. Yeah. And and I think when we are secure in ourselves, it frees us up. And it it frees me up not to cause pain to other people um, by knowing that I'm loved and accepted. I don't need to compete with other people. If someone wants to put me down, that's fine. You know, they obviously have a problem. It doesn't have to become mine. Yeah. And it's so liberating. And I'd love us as a church in Hanwell to be able to to make everybody feel secure and know that they've always got somewhere to be and know that they're loved and accepted. Yeah. Um, so I have lots of hopes and ambition. Yeah, well, we all do. That's good. One step mm. at a time. Charles is pretty good. That's all right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I that's think that's, that's a we, nice... We tackled uh, the tough issues. That's a nice got... little uh, yeah, <laughs> conclusion there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for having me. All right. No, listen, I really, really appreciate yeah, it. No. Can um, we have chocolate next time? Just saying. I'm a bit of a chocolate. But to me, that's evil. No, it's not evil. It's evil. <laughs> But it's, it's on the side. It's, but get fair trade chocolate. Fair trade chocolate. Yeah, so I've been in contact with a couple of companies because I thought, right, it's got to have no crap in it. Can't have the sugar and all that. It's got to be done by family business and all that. But then they said no. So I thought, well, I'm so trying to help another. you here. Ask another. Well, no, I'm going to do about my fifth. Oh. And I get a little <laughs> bit further. I'll say, right, change me words the next time I speak to him. But um, Just yeah. don't do Nestle, but we won't talk about that today. Yeah, especially for water. Yeah, I don't eat um, Nestle. Uh, they have, well, sure, yeah, no, I'm not, yeah, not Another day. But there is a good and even. I think you have to fight internally and externally. And part of the fight for doing good is to help other people, which then comes back on you anyway, accidentally. So uh, help people and be a good person. And it's sort of everything else should be easy. And don't be deluded by the mass media. Most people are nice. Yeah, most um, most people give give yes. people a chance. I yeah. think I think give my, peace a chance. My, <laughs> give, my message is give give my, give people a chance, and if they don't, then they can f off.
But no. don't let it change you. I no, always think no, that's no, really no, important. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. be in control of the kind of yes. person that you are. So if you've decided you're going to be a good person and you're going to try and make other people's lives better, just decide that. And when people disrespect you or yeah. treat you bad or are angry, they don't ha- don't give them your control. Yeah. Keep it for yourself. Yeah, I get to yeah. control and decide yeah. my response to you. So if you're going to shout in my face, I'm not going to shout back. Exactly. I've decided that's not the kind of yeah. person I'm going to yeah. be. Well, so thank you very much. It's been very You're great. Welcome. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to keep in contact one way or another. But uh, thank you very much. And You're welcome. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>